worst that could happen. And away you go. And now it comes time to actually build it. I'm always thinking about the next thing, not what happened in the past. You want to see someone breaking the mold? We are breaking every possible traffic law. Welcome everybody back to Oil & Whiskey, presented by Blade HQ. Go to bladehq.com slash whiskey to shop their selection of knives. Today we're going to be talking with the brains and co-founders behind uh, Wheel Hub Magazine. That'll be fun. Also, we'll be doing a new installment of In the Glove Box, On the Gas, and a new edition of Storytime. I don't know who's got the story for tonight's Storytime. There's enough of them, so I'm sure something will pop up. Something will pop up. <laughs> uh, first up, we've got On the Gas, something we're doing a little different for today's episode. We actually have all the guys from Wheel Hub Magazine on here with us, so what better person to, to contribute to On the Gas uh, than some three guys that uh, are seeing all the guys that are on the gas on a daily basis. <laughs> you, you, you guys are the guys that get the first crack at all the cool cars, so you'd know better than anyone. So I don't know if you guys know this or have listed before, but on the gas, we kind of talk about, you know, either uh, either a new up-and-coming shop or a shop that's kind of making waves as of recently with either a new car or a new product or something like that. So uh, since we have you all on here, well, what uh you have any – probably – just throwing you right here in the lion's den without any preparation. You got anybody that pops to mind that uh, would be on the gas worthy? Yeah, I, I think Big Oak would be the one, one I can think of right off the top of my head. Um, I was just down there a couple of weeks ago shooting uh, their 61 Impala and the 66 Cadillac, and they've got a, a bunch of other really cool projects going on. And, you know, Will and those guys are real talented. They've been killing it for many, many years, and uh, they keep going on and on. So um, that would probably be my my take on it we just saw that uh impala that's the dirty martini right we saw martini, it yeah saw it out yeah. pomona yeah. Car. yeah it looks like quite quite a bit of metal work put into that thing that's wild yeah, yeah. And hats off to uh tavis highlander for designing it i think he did a really nice job with the car they changed yeah. the roof line on that thing yeah it looked like to me it looked like the roof was like scratch built but i could be I could be wrong. Yeah, pretty I think much. They took the, a lot of the crown out of it. Is what they did. That's what I and they, they and they reverse wedged it. Yeah, hmm. yeah. It's one of those cars you look at and you're like, "There's an awful lot done here," but I'm not really sure what or where. Which is yeah. a good thing. That's yeah. Yeah. it. Almost That's, looks a little smaller. The car got just a little bit smaller with the with the with the hood line. Do you think they shrunk it? That's what you're saying. I, I don't know. <laughs> visually <laughs> wise, visually wise, it, it seems a little yeah. smaller. I'll yeah, tell you, I cool saw piece. that car two years ago, and it was just basically a substructure. There wasn't much left of it. So, so two, two years to that, that's, that's I guess, what you would say on the gas. That that's on the gas. Yeah, I think it's about yeah. two years, yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Check those guys out on Instagram at Big Oak Garage, and uh, yeah, check out some of the new stuff they've got coming, and I'm sure you'll see that dirty martini around at a, at a show. They've been racking up the awards, so that was a good one. And in the pages of Wheel Hub. Absolutely in the pages nice. of Wheel Hub. When's that, uh, when's that issue coming out? That, that's a great question. Um, it's funny Robert brought it up because I was just looking at both those cars yesterday thinking, asking that exact same question. Then I wonder why not? But they're, they're both so badass. We could almost do them in the same issue. And it's kind of taboo to have two cars from the same builder in there. But what do you guys think? If, if, they, if it's worthy, it. yeah, yeah. if it's worthy, it's worthy. If it's cool, then yeah, then you got to do it. Two alcohol themed cars too, with a dirty martini, and the other one's called Merlot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
Hey, what's with Makes all these guys and all these, big these booze references? <laughs> yeah, everybody's a bunch of alcoholics. Jeez. Yeah, what the? F- <laughs> yeah, so, another one of those Alabama boys. You're right. <laughs> Roll Tide. I'll let you say it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that was that'll do it for on the gas. Next up, we did this a little backwards, but we'll go ahead and do the intro for the guys that have already been talking. You know, fire away. Yeah. Today we welcome the team from Wheel Hub Magazine, editor, publisher, and co-founder Stephen Kim creative director and co-founder Robert McGaffin, and visual design chief and co-founder Rodney Hutcherson. The trio combined their passion for cars, design, and publishing to launch the acclaimed quarterly automotive lifestyle and design magazine, Wheel Hub. The magazine prides itself in being unbeholden to any corporate entity which could dictate their content, making Wheel Hub magazine truly an authentic offering. No truer words have ever been said. They also have, you have Truck Hub and Mustang Hub as well, right? And Chevy Hub. And Chevy Hub. I guess all that falls under the Wheel Hub banner. Yeah. Well, I just before we get, get ahead of ourselves, I just wanted to say uh, that was really well written, Josh. I mean, if you want a side gig contributing <laughs> to the magazine, I can be- <laughs> I can take zero Go ahead. credit. Oh, come on, dude. zero take, credit take for that. I don't know <laughs> yeah, pro- producers printed that out, and I got to read it. It was it was so well worded. That I had to read almost, through it a couple I of times. I believe what you were saying, though. Well, <laughs> so, so I was good. reading ahead of you, and I was impressed that you made it through that. I, I, that, was, yeah. that was a mouthful. Yeah, and we were waiting for you guys to turn in your tech sheet, so we just kind of made shit up along the way. <laughs> and Are you still waiting? <laughs> yep. A- after this interview here, we're definitely going to be sending each one of you guys a, a three-page tech sheet just to follow up. So <laughs> we're going to need right. that back quickly. <laughs> yeah. How quickly? A couple years? Three? <laughs> it's something like uh, that. Whenever you want it back. <laughs> Oh, I didn't even, we cut me off. I had another line. I'm sorry. You can, I'm sorry. you can subscribe to their magazine and check them out at wheelhubmag.com or on Instagram at wheelhubmag. Now we can actually get started into the meat of the interview. Let's do now it. Now we've got, this is the first time we've had three guys, three other guys. Yeah. This is six people. Three on three. So this is going to be, this is going to be <laughs> fun on the. Uh, well, it, it works out well because we're like a third as important as your usual guests. So you, you add us all together. It's like one regular guest. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Man. Yeah. <laughs> you guys got some storied history. I think this is going to be awesome to have uh, all of your takes, um, you know, from different backgrounds and stuff. I think, I mean, we generally started out the same way from everybody. Um, is where did it all start? for you individually career-wise i mean even before wheel hub um whoever wants to jump in first can kind of get started and and we'll we'll go around the around the room well i'll start out we can just go from least interesting to most interesting so i'll go first uh um you know the uh you know for me i'm like the black sheep of the family no one else in my family's into cars um my only you know, I never had a like an uncle that took me to the drag strip or a brother who was building cars. So my only connection to cars was through back then magazines. So I spent a lot of time reading a lot of magazines, learning whatever I could until I can finally buy a car on my own and go drag racing and street racing and all that other good stuff. But you know, as as I was kind of going through that process, I was like, you know what? Um, you know, my teachers tell me I'm not half bad at uh, writing stories, especially for a, uh, considering it's my second language. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it would be really cool to, to work on staff at a magazine. They seem to do really cool stuff. So, you know, I, I went to school, got got really lucky, started interning at Hot Rod uh, back in the early 2000s, and then uh, did that long enough to figure out I didn't want to stay in, you know, the, uh, the, the corporate environment. And then, uh, I freelanced for a long time, 10, 15 years, which is when I 
started working with Robert. And then um, as the publishing industry evolved over time and, you know, we, we could see the writing on the wall is when we kind of put our heads together and decided, hey, let's let's do the magazine that we've always wanted to do, but that doesn't really exist. What, what do you think? So I pitched that to Robert and that's that's kind of the the, uh, uh, the genesis of Wheelhub. Cool. So, yeah, my background was um, I was a commercial photographer for about 15, almost 20 years. And I went to high, I went to college and learned art and photography and started working in Chicago at various studios as an assistant and then gradually worked up to a photographer. And then um, back in about 2006, um, I know I've always read magazines. I've always been into cars. I'm kind of like Steven's the same way. I'm kind of a black sheep in my family. I'm the only one really into them. Um, but I was just lucky enough to be able to combine two of my passions, photography and cars. In about 2006, Popular Hot Riding had a photo contest, and I had entered in one, and that's how I got my foot in the door. And that's shortly after that's when I met Phil and Jeremy, actually. Um, and so it's been kind of interesting because I was listening to your history podcast, and I just remember half those stories. I, mean, it, it, I just realized how um, parallel our careers have gone in the last few years, which is, um, for me, it's pretty interesting. Um, but so... Stephen came to me after, you know, Stephen and I used to work on a lot of the stories together, half the stuff I'd shoot, he'd write. And then he came to me, when was that, like 13, do you think? Oh, uh, yes, maybe 14, yeah. 15. Right? Yeah. yeah, it might have been 13. Sounds 14, about right. yeah. So we started talking about this idea that he had for a car magazine then, and then um, started looking into it. And he had a lot of things already in place, but the missing piece um, was our visual design chief. and. Uh, we struggled with finding somebody who actually shelved it for a few years. And then at about 17, I was kind of like getting a little burnout, um, really wanted to make a change. And and then shortly after that, we found Rodney and kind of the rest is, I'll let Rodney fill in the blanks for that. But um, yeah, it's been a great ride so far. And um, I've actually enjoyed my work more than I have in a long time. So, um, well... Uh, I'd actually be here, curious to hear Rodney's take on this from his perspective as well, because uh, <laughs> I don't think I've talked to him about it since, since any of this happened. But um, so, yeah, when, when me and Robert were kicking around this idea, like, hey, let's let's do a um, let's do a magazine that is super high end um, that really shows off what the builders are doing, because where we get frustrated is we'd see these incredible cars and we had this unique opportunity to see them up close before anyone else. Um, and we knew how amazing they were. And then we put the stories together, we see it in the magazine, and we're like, you, can't, you couldn't tell this thing apart from a 20-footer. It's, it's a shame. Yep. We need something so people can actually see what these cars are all about in great detail um, and look like something. If someone's going to spend 5,000 hours on a car, the, the least we can do is put some effort into presenting them the right way um, not just in length, but in, in the quality of the presentation as well. So that, that's how Wheelhub kind of came together. Like, you know, three or four page features is not going to cut it. We can, they deserve at least 20. Um, and, you know, with uh, the way media's evolved, we just didn't think that uh, we didn't want to clutter something up with a bunch of 
columns and readers rides and and uh, news sections that you know you're reading news that's four months old or uh, events that happened six months ago um, or technical articles that people are looking up on their phones so we're like let's just just focus on the cars let's let the cars speak for themselves uh, and uh, just put the best of the best in there again the missing pieces well Robert's got the pictures I can put the stories together uh, the, the missing ingredient there's we need to find a, a graphic designer that can put all of our ideas together. And, uh, you know, we, we, it was a long search. I mean, the, um, I mean, the, the, the tough part about it was we wanted someone who had a completely different perspective on how things have been done. It was almost like if you had done a car magazine before you probably weren't the right guy. Cause you had, you were kind of set in that old school formula of having, uh, you know, trying to condense, a uh, grade eight or Riddler caliber car um, into a half a dozen pictures that are the size of a postage, postage stamp. So, um, you know, we, uh, we looked high, we looked low. We uh, started working with one guy, didn't work out. We got quotes from another guy and we're like, Oh my goodness, there's got, got, got to sell a kidney to afford this guy. So, um, you know, it's on a whim one day. I was like, you know what? There's that, there's that Rodney guy I worked with before. So me and Rodney, we met through a mutual friend. So our friend, had, he hired me to take product photos, at, and he had Rodney to, to put together a uh, uh, some advertising material that they can hand out at shows. So that that had probably happened two, three years prior to um, you know when when me and Robert started talking about Wheel of. I was like, you know what? Why not just give Ronnie a call, see what he says? I have no clue if he's ever done a magazine before. And quite honestly, if he hadn't done one before, that's probably even better. I, I could just <laughs> tell by the way he put that thing together that, hey, this, this guy's got the chops. He, you know, I, I, and I could just tell he was a car guy. So I called him up and kind of ran the idea by him. Um, I'm not really sure what he thought, <laughs> quite honestly, during that initial call, but we met up for lunch and, and it kind of went from there. So um, let's kind of hand it off to Rodney from here to see uh, what what his take or how he remembers all that going down. It sounds like he was the missing link to the to the trio yeah, there. So absolutely, I was the only one that would do it. I think is what it boils down to. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're the best we could afford. That's yeah, it. Yeah. Well, you got your money's worth. Solid compliment. <laughs> yeah, I have no experience at all in. Uh, publishing magazines, any of it. I went to school to be a graphic designer, but um, I was seduced back to painting right after college. So I was a custom painter for over 20 years. <clears throat> and uh, I got, well, that was a long set of circumstances. I got kind of burned out at it <clears throat> and went to work with a friend of mine doing uh, uh, architectural models and uh, oil field models for trade shows and uh, large scale trade show displays learn 3d CAD and all kinds of stuff there. And, uh, anyway, that kind of ran its course. The oil industry took a, a bad turn here again. And, uh, marketing is usually the first thing to go. So, uh, went back on my own. I uh, was doing some design work and that's when, uh, Steven contacted me when I was doing the work for our friend and <clears throat> we had lunch at the uh, I believe it was called the Mellow Mushroom. I'll never forget that. Yeah, piece and of he, he asked all the magic questions about had I done magazine work and had I done this and had I done that. And I said no. And he says, You're perfect. 
<laughs> so, um, I think for me, I, they first, they wanted to hire me, uh, as a hired gun and I didn't really take in the scope of what they were doing while we were meeting. And I got home and I started thinking they have nothing. They don't have a, a logo. They don't even have a name, much less a logo. They don't, I mean, there's table of contents and formats and what kind of text are you going to use? And it just, my mind started racing and I thought, this sounds like a great way to lose your rear end financially because I have no way to, to guess how to, to quote any of it. I'm not sure that they could afford it, even if I had an accurate quote. So I proposed to them, I'll, I'll try it, but I want a third of the business and we'll either sink or we'll swim. And so it began and it was a baptism by fire for me because I had to learn page layout software and I had I don't I don't remember the time frame exactly. I think we had about six months or so from, from when we started to six or seven months to when the first issue came out. So it was a it was pick them up and put them down quick. I, I think that's that's key, honestly, uh, to it is because you didn't have the former background and you have two of you that have the former background enough to know that you don't want to go down that direction. And then the, the creative that <laughs> didn't have that background, that's looking at it with a fresh set of eyes, which is, which is why the publication looks the way it looks. And it looks so much different than anything else. You know, that's, that's a secret. One of the secrets to the success is you're not, you're not going with any preconceived notions or, or rules that were beat into you by any other type of corporate suits that, you know, it has to look this way or this, this much space for ad or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Rod, Rodney had a really interesting comment on that. Actually, I, I, I remember it clear as day, you know, I, I handed him a thumb drive that had all these cars that Robert and I had shot and had some, some of these stories were already written. We're just kind of repurposing it to put our uh, uh, beta copy together. And you know, as I'm describing the, the magazine to him, I told him, look, it's going to be very streamlined. All it's going to have is the table of contents. Um, they're going to have some, be 100% features. We're going to run on 20 pages each, very minimalist, uh, you know, very few ads. Um, actually, I shouldn't say few ads, the ratio of ads to content, there will always be significantly more content uh, to, to help everything breathe and, and keep you engaged. And Rodney's comment was like, oh, so you want to Ikea catalog with cars in it. Uh, <laughs> so, so it was really funny. I was like, I was like, yeah, not really, but actually come to think of more like an Ikea catalog <laughs> than a car magazine. So, um, yeah, he was, uh, I could sense he was really skeptical at first, but as soon as he started putting it together and sending us samples, you know, that's when we're like, okay, well, we, we found the guy. You know, this, 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 this is exactly what Robert and I, uh, you know, have been envisioning in our heads. And, uh, you know, Jeremy brought up a good point. Yes, he absolutely was the missing link. I mean, the, um, I remember with the, actually the first layout he did was, uh, was it Inferno? It was Inferno. Yeah. yeah that, that was the first, very first test layout that he did. Um, and then I remember Robert commenting, wow, this looks awesome. And it's, it's like really emotional for me. And I, I could like absolutely relate to that because for so long, for years and years and years, you know, when, when we're working for you know the other magazines, we're, we're always asking ourselves, why can't we do a magazine this way? Why can't we do it that way? Why do we got all these constraints and rules on what we can and can't do? So this is something we that's been in our heads for years and years and years and years. 
And, uh, you know, to finally see it come together is really cool. And, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I used like a, uh, actually I saw an interview with, uh, who was it? Oh, about the Beatles. It was Paul McCartney was talking about how they came together. And he said, well, you know, they, they were looking for a drummer and they, they found this guy Ringo. And, and the first time they played together, he, he, he was kind of describing how emotional it was because they had always thought in their heads, you know, what we got right now between the three of us is good, but there's that one missing piece. And when we get it, I know it's going to be absolutely amazing. So it was, it was very similar, obviously on a much larger, smaller scale of significance, but at least in our heads, that, that's kind of how it was. Only kind, Stephen, kind of only Stephen Kim could relate the founders of Wheelhub magazine to the Beatles. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty <laughs> solid reference, man. Pretty solid. Well, I, have, I wanted it. I wanted to add something to that. So when we put the beta out and we had the Inferno Camaro in there, um, I remember a comment that I saw somebody who had seen the beta who had actually seen your car at a show and actually said that they didn't, they saw more in the magazine than they actually were able to see at the show. So kind of, that was the biggest compliment I got right away off of that. And then um, right there, I kind of knew what we were onto something. Yeah, I think we were pretty blown away when we saw the, the first uh, version, test version, because oh, it's going to be another magazine. It'll be cool. We'll see, you know, five, 10 pictures of the car. Mm-hmm. Um, just assumed it would kind of follow the format of everything else that was out there. And I remember I, I saw it and I was like, holy shit, this is like 15, <laughs> 20 pages of the car. You get to see every detail on it. And the photography was awesome for being taken with a, a cell phone at the time was, was quite impressive, yeah. Rob. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks. And you didn't have to do like all that much of that whole reading thing either, you know, because it was, yeah. it's, it's kind of like short and to the point you get, it's like you get the substance out of it. You get just what you need. Well, yeah. it's amazing. Not from a, from a business standpoint, it's horrible, but it's amazing what the quality can be when you're focused on the quality and not so much the bottom line. And, we got to have this many spaces for this many ads and it doesn't really matter. We've got to pay for the magazine um, at the end of the day and, and, and paying the bills and making the money. It's, it's a horrible way of going about it, but in the long run, it pays off because you're focused on the quality first and, and not track the right people that yep. want, that's what they're looking yeah. for. And the yep. beauty is we don't have to answer anybody. So if we start running short on pages. It's usually just a text message. Hey, we need to add pages. It's, All right. And we just do. So we're not beholden to anything. Speaking about being beholden to anything, I wanted to, before we get too far down the road, ask about specifically uh, Stephen and Rob's your your time at the traditional magazines being bought, sold, owned by a bigger and a bigger and a bigger and a bigger company, and the disconnect with that. You obviously we know a good bit about it from from being in the industry, but that's still from the outside looking in. I can't imagine what it was like from the inside, belly of the beast. It's, Talk about that a little bit about, I mean, obviously I'm sure there were some positives, but there had to be some negatives as well. You don't have to throw anybody under the bus or name any names, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I came in at a really interesting time because when I started at Hot Rod, um, what used to be Peterson Publishing was just purchased by Prime Media and Prime Media was essentially just some company that decided they wanted to own all the publishing companies in the automotive space. So, they bought like the top five, the, the the five big players in the automotive space, which is a Peterson, McMullen and Argus and Dobbs and 
and CSK. So there's this huge conglomerate now. And that's why you ended up with uh, like five different Mustang magazines and two Chevy magazines and you know, Hot Rod and CarCraft and PH run. They're all kind of competing in the same space. So there's a, there a lot of political jockeying behind, behind the doors to uh, kind of so, so one magazine can get, get an edge on another one through, uh, you know, not, not so scrupulous means, if you want to put it that way. And, uh, but yeah, so, so the focus became, I mean, the big disconnect was when it became corporate owned and all the people making the big decisions, um, none of them were car guys, none of them were enthusiasts, didn't really care about the market. Um, and it was completely taken over by the bean counters to where what, what Robert and I always maintained was there's nothing wrong at all with the people working on the content. Um, at any of these operations. I mean, they're legit car guys are very talented. They're just, they've just been putting a straight jacket to where they can't do what they want to do. So um, that, that's why the quality of the product suffered so much. Um, and, uh, you know, the, um, and then after that, I believe that that company was bought out three Source. more times. Interlink you know, after that? The time I left. Yeah, I think it was so, Source. Yeah. Yeah, I came in around Prime Media, then it was Source, and then it was 10, then it was um, Motor Trend. So, um, yeah, it's been an interesting ride doing all that stuff and being through basically three buyouts as a freelancer, not knowing if you're going to have any work. But um, I agree with Stephen. I mean, some the automotive field is really, and photography is really taking me places I never thought I would go. And give me, you know, give me opportunities to work and meet people that I never thought I would even you know, never thought I would have the chance to be around. And, um, that group of people at, at source at the time was some of the best people I've ever worked with. And I always be very grateful for that experience with them. And, um, and that, that road led me to where I'm at now and where the three of us are. And it was very, it was very, it was, it was a lot of ups and downs during that time. There was, you know, we'd, during buyout times, you knew there was something going on. We didn't see a check for six months. And wow. so that was, that was always tough. But well, on the writing standpoint, um, Steven, it, I don't, just because I'm curious and I don't know anything about how it goes. Are you jockeying for position to be a writer of certain stories or have a certain amount? Or are you just taking what they drop in your lap and say, Hey, write something about this. this oh, is you, the, mean, you mean back at the, uh, in, yeah, in, obviously back in the corporate days. Yeah. You know, a, a lot of it is kind of just assigned to you. Um, obviously the ones you're going to enjoy more are the ones that you, you pitch them. Um, so it's, it's, it's a little bit of both. Um, but, um, and you're having yeah, to the, decipher uh, through these poorly worded tech sheets of guys like <laughs> wheels. Yeah. Four of them. <laughs> Engine. Yes. Yeah. No, interesting. You guys have kind of seen the, uh, you're the one of the few, few guys that have seen the evolution of the, of the whole thing. I mean, we only printed a hundred of the betas. Um, so you're one of, you know, very small group of people have seen that. But if you look back at that, we didn't quite know what the ultimate, how to fine tune the direction of what was in our head. So if you go back and look at that, you've got stories that kind of run the gamut. You got some that have a, you know, a mod moderate balance of text versus the images. You have others that are, it's almost all pictures. I, the, I believe the, I think actually the Inferno layout was like that. It was just the title of the story, some captions and a spec chart. And, and that was it. So we're kind of experimenting. Hey, like, what do you want to do? Cause my idea initially was 
No one cares about the stories. No one's reading them. We're just going to show off some really nice, cool pictures. Uh, That's the ones you like, Jeremy, right? Ones with no no (laughs) writing, more pictures. A little bit of writing. Solid move on your part, too, being the writer. What happened was Rodney took a copy of the beta and showed it to a bunch of his buddies. And then, uh, you know, what he reported back, look, all the guys that that I've seen look through it, read it cover to cover. So I was like, especially the older guys, the old school guys, they like to read. So I, was I like, had oh. more than one tell me that if there's an article, I don't care what it is in that magazine or any magazine, I'm going to read it. They, that's just, they just like to read. So I think our, our initial, I didn't mean to jump in the middle of your, your no, deal here, but I don't um, know, you do it all the time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's see how this is going to go. <laughs> anyway, um, no, I, th- I think, uh, I think our initial thought of almost no text, which I thought would be kind of cool, I have a pictogram sort of a looking thing, it just wasn't going to quite play out. And I think since then, we've we've had again varying amounts of text and stories. They all are generally the same, but some have more text than others. And I'm really taken back by the comments on the writing and how many people enjoyed the story, especially the fact. And we make mistakes like everybody every now and every now and then, but, you know, a lot of people say, I really appreciate that, you know, how accurate it is or that, you know, I had something special that I wanted in that story and you be, made sure to include it. Or you know, I think we just got a lot of positive feedback on the, on the text part of, on the story part of it. So I think it's become a pretty integral component of wheel hub. Yeah. I think ultimately how it kind of ended up shaking out is that if you, the format we've got now is I like to think there's something for everyone. If you just want to look at the pictures, that's fine. If you want to get a little bit more information and read the captions and look at the spec chart, that's fine too. Or if you want to read the whole thing, you can do that, but there's, there's varying levels of engagement. You can, uh, you can have just based on what kind of mood you're in or whether you'd like to read or not, or just like, look at the pretty pictures. Um, but the, uh, the, Again, the ultimate goal in all this was going back to what, what Josh was saying is as me and Robert are, or Robert and I are going through this process of seeing kind of like the long downward spiral of the guys we used to work for. Um, we're like, what we're seeing right now is really messed up. I mean, the, the cars from show to show from year to year keep getting better and better, but yet how they're presented in the media gets worse and worse. So unless we do something to, to help convey what these cars are all about. Uh, you know, we run the risk of you know, people not being as interested in cars anymore, because unless people spend money, they don't need to spend on hot rods and we're going to have to get real jobs. And I don't want a real job. I, I, <laughs> that's the last thing I want. Especially coming from the, from the background, like you said, you, you weren't born into it. Um, Rob wasn't either. Uh, I, I wasn't. Um, and I echo your, um, I guess, birth into the industry is the exact same way. I mean, as a, uh, as 10 or 11 years old, it was the magazines that did it. And with that in your mindset and seeing how poorly the magazines are doing it, um, I, I could see how that would be a major driver to be like, you know what? I don't want, you know, I don't want another little Stephen Kim out there, you know, at, at, at 10 years old to, <laughs> to, to get into something else because there's not the proper print media attention. Yeah, to grab his attention. The only thing I'll say, you know, Stephen made mention of this, which I, I absolutely disagree with, is you were bagging on the reader's ride section. <laughs> you know, but listen to this. When I was a kid, I that was like that was my goal in life 
to be in reader's rides. Because that was like, you looked at the cars that were features and you're like, that. well, that will never happen. But mm, yeah, I'm getting yeah. ready to build, you know, at the time I was like you know, 15 years old, I'm starting to build the 69 Camaro. And I'm looking at those and I'm like, I think I can, I can do this. I can get a car <laughs> in the reader's ride. Sec- Dude, there's got to be a way. I think I can do it. I so never so did. Must be real disappointed. Yeah, so I <laughs> skipped the reader's rides and <laughs> ended up straight to wheel up. Yeah, with the cover shots, but uh, <laughs> but you never know. I mean, you know that that oh, yeah, was sure. that what inspired. Uh, you know, I'm just busting your balls, but that inspired a young guy like myself we, because uh, we had a reader's ride one time, but it was a yacht. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I was talking about like the whole obtainable thing. Yeah, like you, you could actually accomplish it. Went so. way over the unobtainable. <laughs> you guys kind of seem to have shared a similar path to us on going through the the stuff you know you don't want to do to kind of hone your mm-hmm. your skills and and hone your vision on what you want to do. Um, it's not necessarily the best, but I think it probably ended up working out the best and created the, you know, the awesome end product that you guys are producing now. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, out of the three of us, Rodney's got the most interesting background. I, I, like he's, he's the only one out of the three that actually has some street cred. He's, he's worked on really high end cars before. Uh, but yeah, in, in, during, uh, you know, while, while I was freelancing for, uh, close to 15 years. Yeah, there was the magazine work, but there was also other stuff. I mean, I, I dabbled in doing uh, agency work, PR work, writing press releases, uh, working on catalogs. And at the end of the day, I mean, I wanted to diversify my income. That was the main thing, but I hated all that other stuff. It was, uh, you know, you do that long enough, you want to slit your wrist. So uh, <laughs> it, 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 it just kind of ended up coming back to why mess with that stuff? When we can just, let's just focus on what we're passionate about, what we really want to do, what our skill sets are naturally, naturally set up for. And, and so, yeah, just almost like a back to the basics kind of thing. Don't, don't worry, don't overcomplicate things, screwing around with other stuff, just do what we want to do. What was the, what was the craziest story or publication you had to write something for back in those days? There's got to be the one thing you're like, oh, I hope nobody finds out I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, the the one that comes to mind for me is actually two different things. But the the first one happened here locally in Houston. There's a shop down the street from me called Late Model Racecraft. They do a lot a lot of late model GM EFI stuff. So the story was for Carcraft, and they're like, "Well, this uh, street racing thing on TV is real big. You know, go go find some street racers out there and see how they." They, they prep the streets and, and do wheel stands and, and, and shit like that. So we ended up, um, you know, after the shop closed, they had this huge concrete pad in the back uh, where they did burnouts and launched their cars all the time. It looked like a drag strip. So like, yeah, we'll, we'll show you what you do. So they took out the, uh, uh, the, uh, the man, I forget what you call it, the, the tire come, but this really sticky stuff from the drag strip, they laid that all out. They, they cut it with alcohol. They, they lit the, the ground on fire. So it was all burning and shit. And then they actually went out and started, it, it was a fourth gen firebird, but we were back there doing wheel stands and I was taking pictures of it and I was kind of documenting how they did all this. And the funny thing with, with that is Houston's really weird because we have no zoning loss. So you can have a shop like that right next to a pizza place. So we're out there doing wheel stands and then the people at the pizza place are like running out to their cars to make deliveries. And they turn over and there's a car 
you know, front tires five feet in the air coming at him. So that was, that was pretty cool. <laughs> That's the one that really sticks in my mind. That's a badass story. I was hoping it was going to be like a, a run with Reader's Digest or something for Penthouse, like the Close Encounters <laughs> or something like that. That's a cool well, that's, story. That's what we're aspiring to do. But <laughs> How about you, Rob? Any crazy uh, photography stories? We've shared a few. Uh, yeah, we've shared a few. Um, not that anything really sticks out. I mean, um, there was one that really actually there one that did stick out years ago. I was um, shooting in Detroit with a uh, um, Chris Clark, I think it was his last name. Um, he used to run Mopar, and I was shooting his. He had a Duster Valiant that there was a Valiant that he had built, and I wish we were shooting it. And he lives in Gross Point, and it's mission. You know, Detroit area is really really weird because you'll have Gross Point, which is a real nice affluent area, and then then two streets over, it's it's just desolate and abandoned houses and whatnot. So we were over by the Continental Tire Factory, which is mostly gone. And we were shooting up against a brick wall with a bunch of graffiti and stuff. And we we're like 25, 30 yards off the street. And all of a sudden this car rolls up and I'm looking over and then it didn't look fun. Um, it was actually, I got a little nervous because and his buddy, who happened to be one of the members of one of the largest motorcycle gangs in Detroit, lifts up his shirt and you can see his nine millimeter in one hip. He's got 38 in the other and says, yeah, they won't bother us. So one phone call, I have a hundred guys here. And yeah, <laughs> they just kind of rolled real slow and then took off. And that was the last I saw him. But yeah, that was, that went a little pucker factor in that one. So, <laughs> Rodney, on your side, I know you you're probably very similar in some ways to Steven on um, from the creative standpoint and it's Mitch freelance and you were in the oil industry. There had to have been something that, you know, came to you and you're like, I've got to lay this out. I've got to, I've got a creative, I've got to get creative and graphically design something that I could give like two shits about. Like, I mean, that's from a creative standpoint, that's got to be extremely difficult to, to try and give the client or whatever it is, what they're wanting for something that you don't see. I, I don't know. There's got to be, you know, something that you've had to dig down deep for. Um, that would probably fall under the, uh, oil industry stuff, but to try to put my finger on one, there's, there really isn't, it was just a barrage of, well, there were two components. There was a creative side because you had to take the world's most boring looking products that do amazing things. They do the, th the things they do in, in getting oil from under the earth. Most people have no idea. It's as crazy as what NASA did going to the moon in, in the late sixties. It just is not as glamorous looking. So the, the actual process is fascinating, but the tools are the most boring things you've ever seen in your life. And so you have someone with a straight face an engineer and a marketing person and a Marcom and all these people. And they, present this thing to you and they want some display that's just going to knock the socks off of somebody, some little kiosk or a, and, and I'm thinking it's another piece of pipe. It's a round <laughs> tube. I don't know how to make this any more exciting. You just, you just fall back. It's next. blonde with big tits. I mean, just have her hold whatever it is. <laughs> a piece of pipe. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of that. There. Sounded good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was uh, nothing really stands out. I mean, I've done a little bit of everything from ad design to, like I said, the oil field stuff to painting cars to uh, a little bit of everything. But the, definitely the oil field stuff was trying to make something out of nothing. 
it's not a it, it's actually very interesting and, and to interact with the engineers and the people that make it work and i found out all kinds of things that i learned over the years that i turned out you know you hear a lot of things on the news and, and stuff that's really not the way it works it's not what that industry is about but anyway that's not very exciting to tell yeah. but that's that would be my trying to make something out of nothing story when you talk about making something out of nothing yeah, obviously wheel hub is something that you guys all created from nothing how was that whole process to get started i mean did you guys just walk away from your nine to five? Did you self-fund the whole thing? What kind of struggle was that? Because it obviously takes a great deal of time and effort to kick that first magazine out to the yeah. public. How did that yeah. whole process work? Because I don't think it's like just snap some pictures, write some stories. Somebody it, sold it goes a to, Beanie Baby it, or Hot Wheels collection. Right. Somebody. <laughs> what did you sell? Who did you kill? Who did you hold ransom? How did you make it happen? What body part did you sell? Yeah, the, the hardest thing about it, I like use a, a shop analogy, that the publishing industry getting started is, is really interesting because, you know, if you start a shop and you only got a couple of customers, you can start with a small shop with a one bay garage and a one bay lift. To do it in publishing, to, to get, even get enough interest and print enough copies to get in front of enough people to be able to charge anything for advertising, you got to print at least 10,000 you know, units. So right off the bat, it's like opening up a shop with a 10-bay garage and 10 lists and you got no cars in it. And so you've got this overhead immediately with, with no money. And uh, yeah, it, there's been you know somewhat of a... I don't know if revival is the right word, but there, there have been um, several new print publications that have come online in the last three, four years. But when we started, um, you know, Rodney likes to joke, it's like AM radio. No one in their right mind was going to give you any money to get this thing started. So th this is why we uh, we created the beta copy that we sent you. We're like, you know what? We can If we were to sit down with any company we want to work with and we describe this concept to them and we got nothing to show them, they're going to laugh us out of the room. We got to put at least a sample together so people can visualize what we're talking about. And hopefully after we've done that, we can present them with it and uh, um, throw a, a rate sheet in front of them and say, Oh, do you want to be a part of this and trust us to deliver? So, um, you know, that's, that's what we did. I mean, we, we scrounged up what we, we each pitched in a couple thousand bucks, just barely enough to um, print that initial beta copy. Then uh, everything else we, we bootstrapped out of pocket. So we printed the beta copy. We sent them out to hundred shops and, and uh, manufacturers we thought would be a good fit as a uh, advertising partners in this space. You know, the, the, the super high end kind of builds. And, uh, you know, we, we got enough commitments in the first issue to pay for that first print run. And then, um, you know, after that, fortunately it, it, uh, it, it took off. I mean, it's, it, well, it's, it's like anything else. It's just, this not going to take off overnight. You know, we'll take moderate and steady growth over, uh, you know, any day of the week versus what people think happens from the outside looking is, oh, it just explodes on all its own. No. So it was uh, uh, really tough. Um, and uh, just to make the money work, we were all um, we were all doing uh, work on the side. You know, we were 
putting as much time as we can in the wheel hub, but just to pay the bills, we had to uh, seek you know, continue freelancing uh, to pay the bills. And uh, until you know, we, we got to the point, fortunately, we were able to transition away from that and uh, do wheel hub full time and then launch truck hub. So um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, we're none. I like to joke that between the three of us, we're lucky to have one good salesman. So uh, <laughs> the the only way we can make it work is we better have a damn good product um, well, that doesn't sound like it for us. It's interesting you say that it's it's a little different than starting a shop, but at the same time, it's it's very similar because mm-hmm. you you invested and you basically donated your time, labor, and money sure. to to get that going. It's exactly the same thing. I've talked about it before. We've all talked about it before on starting a shop from scratch, mm-hmm. and then the. Everybody wants to know what the definition of success is when it comes to things. The definition of success in my mind in this industry is is you continue every year to donate less. So when you when you <laughs> interesting take that's, on a good, that's, that's a good way of looking at you, it. When you when you first started be, because of one, you know, your your the customer base that you had, what they were willing to pay and what you the product you wanted to put out and the talent, you would always Everybody that's listening out there that's starting a shop or remembers back when they started a shop knows how much further you went than what the customer was willing to pay because you knew that that was the first one that was going to get out there or that was your business card. You'd had to do the same thing before you sat down with the meeting. Well, the next one, you know, you could get paid just a little bit more. The next issue that came out, you had a little bit of ads, right? But you're still donating yeah. stuff. Same thing on the next car, the, that customer was willing to pay a little bit more. So through the years, you're donating less because you're getting better customers, but you're also getting more talented. So you're able to do it for more efficient. So I don't know. It's just the the similarities are, are, are probably more than what you think as far as trying to get your name out there. But you're not going to ever show up with a magazine or show up with a car and, you know, at Builder's Choice, whatever, and be like, yeah, dude, that shit sucks. But that's that's all the customer was paying me for, you know, I. It was, I, I always just looked at it that, that, that we're all very philanthropic, you know, we're philanthropists, basically. Yeah, you know? absolutely. <laughs> it's donations. We heard a lot of uh, a lot of companies told us if you make it past the first year, come talk to us, which is great, and I understand it from their perspective, but it doesn't really help what's happening right now. So the first year was really a that was a pretty good struggle. But I Maybe. we don't we don't have to talk about this. We can edit this part out if you w- would like mm-hmm. to. But I know for sure that y'all donated ads. You you got companies, and we're working with companies. Say, I'll build your ad. You might. You're a small shop. I know you probably don't have somebody that put the ad together. We'll oh, do yeah, the yeah. we'll do the ad. We we'll did, do this. We we did that a lot. I mean, a, a great deal. Uh, and we ran even after someone. Uh, you know, not everyone can afford to advertise every issue, right? So. Uh, but if we had pages to fill, we would put their ad back in the magazine. Uh, I mean, as a good gesture, we appreciated them getting on board with us, but, uh, it, it, uh, we, we just, it, it was a really, it was frustrating to, to hear someone. I know Steven ran across it a lot because, you know, he was out and about more than I was, but, uh, yeah, we love your product. We love what you're doing. We think it's really important. And if you guys make it, come back and talk to us and we'll, we'll help you out. And, and God bless you guys. You know, you, you've been advertising with us from the beginning and we really appreciate you guys. Um, so, uh, we hope it's a beneficial relationship. I don't, I mean, Phil, Phil can answer more of this. I don't think we'd be advertising if it wasn't a, a good product. I mean, it's, yeah, it's it, something we were, we were blown away when we saw the first one and 
like I initially touched on, like, oh, it's going to be another car magazine. And then we saw it and I grabbed my brother, like, you got to check this thing out. This is fucking awesome. And (laughs) it was uh, like 100% what we wanted to be a part of, the direction we wanted the industry to go and, you know, happy to to support it, proud to support it. And I, you know, sent it to a bunch of people and tried to be a cheerleader for you guys uh, as much as we can because I think it was a, a big void that was needed in the industry. Um, and I was going to kind of lead into a little bit. Of my next question was, I think you guys, you definitely did it right. Um, did you have any concerns with kind of the way the print media was going and just print in general was, was dying <laughs> off and you're coming out with a new magazine, right? As you know, everything else is kind of trailing over to the social media side of things. Were you um, worried you were going to end up with a tremendous amount of like Fire starting <laughs> supplies check, there. Check out, <laughs> check out this new laser that's, that's disc. Funny, the, the, uh, when we got the first delivery of the first issue, we had this you know eighteen wheeler show up and uh, just loading pallet after pallet into my garage. Man. Uh, <laughs> my neighbors are looking around like, "What the hell is going on here?" Uh, and I'm just looking at like ten pallets in my garage, thinking. How on earth are we going to get rid of all these? Well, that's just a, it, it doesn't sound like a lot when you're looking at it on paper, but you, you look at it in your garage, you're like, my goodness, we're not parking in here for a while. So, yeah, you know, the, um, um, I, you know, I don't know if uh, we, we consider definitely a big bonfire at any time, but um, yeah, it, it is a, it definitely puts it into perspective when you got all that product just sitting there. Fortunately, over time, you know, the uh, amount of time it takes to unload the copies has gone down and down and down. But the, uh, you know, backing up a little bit, um, you know, I, I, I'll give it, I'll hand it to you, Josh. My, my Beatles analogy was a little, little ridiculous, but. <laughs> I didn't say ridiculous. Buffett, <laughs> one uh, quote Warren Buffett got that I really like is, you know, be, be greedy when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy. So I was just looking at the industry at the time going, you know, it, it it's not going to be long before print media is pretty much gone. Um, and it's really hard to make any money on the digital side. So I'd rather be go where the competition isn't. And what I told as hard as it was that first year and in the early days, uh, you know, what I kept saying to Robert and Ronnie, I don't think, I think they thought I was out of my mind at the time, but I was like, we you did. know what, if we play our cards right, right as we start hitting our stride is when the other guys are going to go out of business. And they haven't gone entirely out of business, but, you know, as of, I think it was, was it December, 2019, almost all of them mm-hmm. went away in one day. And as sad as it was to see a lot of those titles go, because we grew up reading them and we worked on them, um, it did not suck for business. I'll tell you that it was pretty good. <laughs> Timing is everything. One yeah, thing that Stephen told me that that I'll never forget was, is that the lunch meeting that we had? And we talked about this very thing about how print was not as popular as it was. And he asked me, do you have any digital subscriptions? And I said, yes. And I won't say which magazine it was. It's been around forever. It was a standard of the industry. And he said, do you look at it? And I said, I did one time and I hated it. And it, it had nothing to do with the content. It, I hated swiping. I just wanted something I could hold in my hand. Yeah, but it's got that nice sound. It's got that nice. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to smell the ink. <laughs> I want to, you know, it's just, uh, maybe I'm a product of my era, but uh, I, I never looked at it. And I never did look at the digital subscription. So I started thinking to myself, well, I can't be the only guy that, that 
you know, wants something to hold in their hand instead of a, an iPad or an iPhone. And that's great if you do. There's nothing wrong with that, but it doesn't work for me. I just give me the couch and the magazine. There's nothing better than a new car smell or a new magazine smell because that, that ink in the paper and all that, when you first can open the box, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> Get a little but, buzzed. <laughs> yeah. Before we move on to some other questions, I don't I I want I don't want to glaze past something that I think that maybe it's just in my mind that I'm thinking, but it's very interesting speaking with you three um, from within the industry, but a very different business model uh, or different sure. different business, different product. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's interesting. We talked about the you know as as you continue to get more and more successful, it's really that you're donating less. And I think that that's it's very true no matter where you're at. Even if you're working for somebody, you know mm-hmm. the what's the old statement? You're, you know, you're never going to get paid more than you're worth. You're always going to get, you know, most likely going to get paid less. But if, if you only give the effort for what you're getting <laughs> paid for, the, the, the path to success is, is, is way longer. You know, you, you did what you needed to do because you believed in the product, because you believed in your quality and your talent and everything else was going to work out in the end. Um, mm-hmm. I think we all felt the exact same way, but I think on even, if you're working for somebody, even if you're not starting your own business, it's the same thing. You know, you do the best you can possibly do every single day, no matter what the other circumstances or what you think you're worth or getting paid or something like that. And it generally, we've heard all the success stories from all the episodes we're doing. It, it, it works out. Now, nobody's going to be like, oh, dude, you're doing such a good fucking job. Can you not do a little less? You know, you're going to get taken <laughs> care of, you know, the, the advertisers came because you did a good product. You know, right. our customers came because we put out a good product. Um, I don't know. You're not going to get noticed or improve for being average. You gotta, right. You gotta shine, even if it's not noticed right away. That's a character trait. You know, it doesn't really matter what industry you're in or, you know, Rob and his photography or, or someone writing or building cars or graphic design or any, any of it. You know, it's kind of like the old Martin Luther King saying, you know, if, you're going to be a street sweeper, be the best street sweeper there is. I'm paraphrasing, but uh, I think that's just a character trait. And that's the way I, I've, I've always attacked anything that I'm doing. It doesn't matter what it is. I kind of got that from my dad. My dad was a, a, quite a craftsman. He was a master gunsmith, but uh, I watched, I used to think he was crazy. Uh, what are you doing? Why are you putting yourself through this? And then one day you wake up and I'm, I'm my dad. I'm doing the very same thing. And it does, you know, I'm out mowing the yard, making sure all the lines from the lawnmower are going in the same, in the right spot, lining up with the driveway. It's, it's crazy. It's insane. You kind of lose your mind at some point. Thinking, well, Am I? John York says it all the time. How you do something's how you do anything. Yep. It doesn't matter if you're taking out it's the true. trash, if you're doing it's something It's just else. an approach. Yeah. But before we move, I will say this is, this is the first episode we've had. Martin Luther King, Warren Buffett, and the Beatles all referenced. <laughs> No, this there's is plenty more. If you want to keep going. <laughs> we are, we are highbrow tonight. <laughs> yeah, well, we can go the other direction if, if you want, very easily. What, what did Larry the, the Cable Guy say? The last episode, we're talking about Johnny Cash and Waylon Jennings. I think, yeah. right? <laughs> it's for, it's it's for all people, for everybody. So, where's where we've talked about the history, we've talked about the start, we talked about you know. Um, how everybody came together. Where where's Wheelhub Magazine at now? We've talked about Wheelhub Magazine, the start of that. Um, I'd like to hear about Wheelhub Magazine itself, where it's at now, and then all the other offshoots and where where those came from and why. Um, a lot of a lot of that was just um, 
you know, I, I won't repeat the Warren Buffett um, quote again, but it was just seeing an opportunity. I mean, we we were at a point where, you know, wheel hub had kind of hit uh, the point of critical mass where it can sustain itself and, and we can make a living. Uh, but like anything else, we want to make a better living. So uh, doing four issues a year, we weren't quite at our capacity in terms of our labor. You know, we had excess labor we can we can tap into. So we we were we kicked around, hey, do we want to do maybe six issues a year instead of four? Or do we want to use those resources in a different way and start another magazine? So um, you know, we had been kicked around that idea um for a while. And then, you know, once uh December 2019 happened and almost all our competition went away, we're like, my goodness, the, the world's our oyster here. There's so many different ways we can go. So uh, we we had decided at the Grand National Roaster Show that year, or in 2020, that, yeah, we should just do another magazine. Where it's just a matter of what is it going to be? You know, it was, uh, um, you know, Rodney really wanted to do a truck magazine. Um, you know, I, I, I proposed the idea of doing a Chevy magazine or something like Wheel Hub, but maybe instead of the best of the best builders, it's like the cars we want to feature. We really do, but we've only got so much space and there are a lot of deserving people getting left behind. So that, that was another idea. Uh, and uh, so we had uh, a lot of discussions about that. Um, so, some of us got a little heated, but ultimately uh, we decided to go the, the truck direction. And then uh, uh, a lot of ways that's kind of Rodney's baby. So I'll, I'll let him, kind of talk about why he felt that was the, the best direction to go in. Cause he lives in Texas. Well, I was a truck guy <laughs> first. My, I drove a lowered Chevy step side to, to high school you know, in 80. It was 80. I started in 84, I guess is when I got it. There weren't a lot of trucks, at least not in this area. There were a lowered truck was a, a very uncommon site. And uh, I was just in, enthralled with trucks for the longest time. So uh, that history, and, and I think that's a, a great market. It's a very, uh, I don't want to call it eclectic, dedicated, I guess is a better word. It's a very dedicated bunch, the truck guys. Even more so, I think, than vet guys or you know, whatever little niche uh, following there is. I think trucks are, uh, those, those guys are pretty, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty into it. So I thought that would be a good avenue to take off. And I think, you know, we, we still have some expansion to do in, in truck hub. We've, we've primarily done, uh, lowered, you know, nicer lowered stuff of all, all years. I think eventually we're going to have to to branch off and do some four wheel drive stuff and some, some different things. So, um, that's, I would think that's some, some things that are coming. Yeah, definitely. Been telling Rob for a while, got to start shooting the four wheel drive stuff. It's what's coming next. It's not, it's <laughs> yeah, not coming, man. It's, it's here. It's here. Yeah, it's here. Speaking of expansion, though, um, I guess, I mean, I don't know when this is going to air, but we can probably talk about the next new expansion. I mean, Jeremy knows about this. This, uh, I mean, Miata Hub Magazine. It's coming, what, later on? <laughs> yeah. Later on in the year? 2023. Yeah, oh, I mean, man. that's for <laughs> you, enthusiasts. You wouldn't believe the number of hubs people suggest. I've even heard someone say, you need to do a fashion hub, do a fashion magazine. 
like, like you guys do. I feel like you can mix that right in with the Miata hub, though. Yeah. You know, there's, I mean, there's yeah. enough fashion. Well, it's for enthusiasts. You to, yeah, you have to accessorize. You don't just drive that car like with your general like street attire. You Phil, dial um, yourself you, up. Honestly, you wear, I, these, I, I can't, I know we said we were going to give it a break, but the door just opens and I... <laughs> it, it's 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 fun to me to figure out how to work it in it. every single episode. You don't need to open the door. You just hop right over. They're so low. <laughs> <laughs> what was speaking of apparel? What was the the text chain with Mishler the other day? We went on for like oh, forty five minutes about Phil's like racing shoes and <laughs> his pajamas. And hey, we yeah, are we becoming we are becoming huge though in the Miata scene. I start getting notifications from, yeah, new followers and stuff like that for the podcast and stuff. And it's this, you know, uh, Miata Jim at, you know, what, and it's, there's a lot of Miata followers. I don't know. I don't know if y'all are listeners or have listened to any other episodes. We figure out a way to work in the fact that Phil is a diehard Miata. Uh, I don't even wouldn't call it racer anymore. It's just enthusiast. enthusiast. Yeah. yeah. It's an enthusiast. It's a lifestyle, honestly, um, in every episode. So, <laughs> So something to think you about, yeah, you know, for the future. <laughs> yeah, change in direction. Change in direction. Moving yeah. on. <laughs> uh, uh, how does somebody get a car featured in Wheelhub, and what is maybe you want to share, maybe you don't, the behind the scenes process of uh, of your selection? Give you my address where to send the blank check to. That's yeah. <laughs> It's a good it's way to get started. <laughs> Um, there really isn't a, a formal list of requirements. It's, it's as simple as when we look at the car, do we think it's cool? And you go, wow, that's something we need to put in the magazine. Obviously it's highly subjective, but just, if you look through the history, look back at all the issues we've done, every car fits that requirement. As I, soon as you see it, you're like, wow, that thing's badass. We need to get in the magazine. Back, um, back in the day when you were working for the corporation, besides mm-hmm. the the nine that were already pre-established features mm-hmm. because they were, you know, advertisers, how did y'all, sure, sure. how did they figure those out then? Oh, man. It depends when you ask the question. Um, with all the uh, political jockeying that there was behind the scenes, uh, a, a lot of that had to do with whoever was the guy calling the shots either as the editor or the editorial director, like what, what was he into? Is he into street strip cars? Is he into pro touring cars? Is he, does he like customs? Does he like hot rods? Does he think they're antiquated? So there's a lot of that, a lot of stupid reasons like that, uh, which is why you'd see when there was a change in, in leadership, the, the content would change a lot of the times, uh, which is, which is fine. I mean, you, you want that to reflect, you know, the personality to the contributors, but you know, that was that, that, that element, uh, as you just mentioned, there are a lot of, uh, you know, sponsored like corporate type of builds like, Oh, Ray Bestos is buying this ad package. So we're going to build a car for him with their stickers all over it. Um, which, you know, I, I understand why you do it. Um, you need to make money. We all do. Uh, but you know, there's a fine line between that and at what point have you diluted the content and the quality so much to where you have no credibility left. So, um, you know, we've, um, uh, you know, we, we've said from the beginning, as long as it passes that litmus, litmus test, Hey, we think it's cool. It's badass. We think it's one of the best of the best cars out there. And then it's getting in. We don't really care who built it. Um, 
we, um, you know, they're obviously along the way, um, you're going to have people, everyone thinks their car should get in and some guys are going to get butt hurt and, and go out, go off, go off in the corner and pout or try to troll you on Instagram or whatever. It happens. <laughs> but, um, you know, we, we can't let that influence, um, we can't lower our standards because of that. It's, it's, um, you know, we, um, you know, we, we're, we're in a very fortunate position where we get to work with guys like you and, and Troy Trepanier and ring brothers and, and pinkies and, and all the top guys. It's like, well, unless we we're, we're consistently featuring cars of that caliber, um, it's, it's a disservice to, um, what we're doing. I mean, we want, again, we want people, we're, we're all doing the same thing. We all want to play with cars. We don't want real jobs. We want people spending money on stuff they don't need to buy. So the only way we can do that is to keep the excitement level up. And we're not going to do that featuring cars that you see on a cruise night at Sonic. It's just doesn't happen like that. Um, I think the best part of Wheel Hub is that we just knock the guardrails off of what can be in there completely. It could be a Volkswagen. It could be a Cadillac. It could be a 32. It could be a Miata. A, a Miata. <laughs> if, it if could Dora. be a yacht. It could be... Yeah, we just uh, th- there. There really are very few rules. It just has to be cool. Our theory, and, and we all talked about it when we started Wheel Hub. If if a car guy likes a certain kind of car, they're probably a gearhead, and they're going to be into just about anything you could show them. They'll find the interesting angle or aspect of whatever we run. I think that's my favorite quality. That's my favorite part about it is you never really know what's going to be on the next page. Like it could be a super traditional thirty two. It could be a really modern high-end pro touring Chevelle. It could be a yacht. It could be a, a barn find Lamborghini. It's just like everything is just like badass, the coolest of the cool as you look at it. And it could be deep thoughts with Rob McGaffin. I mean, you never know. What <laughs> Phil, Phil was no, just he, talking about how it's all supposed to be cool. Yeah. Like that's why. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Rob. I love, I love, You're great behind the camera, not in front of it. Not in front, yeah. But no, some of the, we've done a fair amount of bikes too, which has been really cool. Like we had Jesse's bike in a recent issue as well. And, you know, I've seen, I've seen that bike going together for a number of years. And then when he finally got it done, it was just blew me away. And I knew right away, we just had to do it. So there like, we go. Yeah. it's, it's nice to have a little bit of that variation. Cause you know, when you, when I was pigeonholed to shoot X, you know, all these specific cars it was like how many 69 camaros can you shoot how many 32 fords can you shoot but it's like because a lot of those became very cookie cutter and now it's like you can we're putting camaros with gt40s and and um doing motorcycles and boats and yachts and you know so it's it's been fun for me creatively because now i'm like able to do more than just a pro touring car or you know some kind of a street rod it's kind of it gives me a lot more creative freedom it's you you're all y'all are doing a good job i mean seriously uh rodney said you know knock the knock the guardrails off net i hate to come keep coming back to old days but i mean i'm old and I, i think about the things that you know inspired me but that's in my opinion, I'm sure I'm going to get shit for this. In my opinion, that's that's why I was always drawn to popular hot rodding for some reason. Mm-hmm. Because popular hot rodding, especially in the in the early 2000s, you never knew what you were going to get. And that was the only thing that was kind of like, it didn't fucking matter. It would be a Riviera on big billets, you know, <laughs> or it would, it would be, you know, a Camaro or whatever. There was, 
you know, the hot rod was kind of the thing that you had to have and you'd go through, but it was the same thing over and over. Popular hot rodding um, did a very good job of kind of, they didn't, I guess, as of 2002, 2003, they really didn't have a place. So they kind of just like, that's fucking cool. We'll put that in there. Um, and and you, you guys are doing that you know, times a hundred. Um, and the quality, obviously, I mean, popular hot rod and quality, obviously I think wasn't that doing great. So much better because I, I remember popular hot rod and there's a, we had a car in there. Remember that? And there's a writer who talked about like the, he compared the grill to flavor flaves. <laughs> I don't know who that guy is, but as I, that sparked a, a nicely worded yeah. email. <laughs> Deep cut. You know, why do you bring <laughs> Never that? Never knew. Yeah. Who was it? Who was that? It wasn't it Rod. Was, uh, you know, I always. <laughs> it wasn't Rodney. When when they hired me as a freelancer, I would just see what I can get away with. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm gonna turn this in as it is. Gotta see what kind of sl- slips through the cracks. Nobody. I feel like nobody proofread that. <laughs> like what the fuck? I, I, I was. I, I was almost positive it was gonna get edited out. But it didn't. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, it def- yeah, it definitely, definitely didn't. <laughs> oh, I didn't, mean to, um, I didn't mean to scratch that scab there. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so where do you where do you guys see? We've talked about the present. We've talked about the the, the past. We've talked about how to get a start. Where do you guys see the industry uh, headed in the next five to ten years? That's that could be print. That could be industry itself. I mean, what what do you guys see in coming or the next big thing? Well, print is too boring to talk about, so (laughs) (laughs) I'd rather talk about cars. Um, Yeah, the the thing I really like about a lot of the cars that have been built in the last couple of years is there's such tremendous effort put into making the cars look so much better, but the same. It's like you got to look so hard to see what's been done to the car. Um, where it was the exact opposite of that not long not that long ago. It was like, let's see how much bling we can put on the car. And now it says, how much can we, how can we tweak this line here or that line there um, to where no one really knows what we did? It's just when you look at it, you're like, man, why does that look so much better than a stock 70 Chevelle or a standard 32 Ford? Uh, and, you know, so many cars kind of like fit that description now. Um, you know, a couple that come to mind that you guys did, a couple of my favorites is I love Barry Bloomquist Quist 2 plus 2. Um, and also uh, probably the favorite car of all of them that you've done, and it's probably not an ex- what you'd expect, was a Matt Saxon Chevelle. I mean, that, that one is, it, it's obviously a badass car, but it's something you can look at and be like, you know what, maybe someday I can't afford that car, but I can do something like it. You know, and, sure. and I remember clear as day when I saw it at SEMA, I, I walked by it. I was like, Oh, cool. 70 Chevelle. Then I got a little bit closer. Oh, it's just real nice. I was like, then I got a little bit closer. Hey, well, I thought those were stock wheels, but they're a lot bigger. Then you get a little bit, a little bit closer. Oh shit. It's an LS motor. Uh, and it's just kind of go down the list. It's it's completely different and so far upgraded from the original, but it's still got the essence of a 70 Chevelle. And uh, as far as I, I don't know if that's where the, the, the direction the industry is heading, but we see a lot of that right now. And I think it's really cool. Now, I think a lot of that is because of the integration of people using designers. 
you know, from the, I love that angle of it. Exactly and, what uh, I was going to say. And it started with, well, I don't know where it started with actually probably Tom Taylor, but, um, and then Chip and, and Stanford and, you know, now, uh, Brockmire and, um, Tavis and I mean, just goes on Hermance, all those guys. And so you're seeing this on the high end of cars, you're seeing this, uh, they're almost quasi prototyping shops and avant-garde in their interiors. It's, it's off the Richter scale. I don't think people realize the degree they go to for the fit and finish. Uh, and then the imagination of how to, to make it, uh, actually make it work where you could, it's feasible to do, or you can take it apart and put it back together uh, on the, the way the cars visually look. I think that's a very important element. And I think you'll see more and more people and you do, you see it now using designers to help guide them through the, you know, Eric black comes to mind. Eric is a master of the more original looking type, uh, traditional cars. And I think the more builders, more builders will use their services to refine what their end products look like. I think that's luckily you're for us. See more we've more we've kind of got it, got it in house. Indeed, you've got it in house. <laughs> yeah. Y'all been doing it for years. <laughs> yeah. But like everything else, it takes a little while for everybody else to catch on or to convince their customers. Hey, we need to spend five, six, seven, eight, ten thousand dollars on design work before we ever get started. A lot of people don't understand that at first. And I think that's a valuable component that a lot of car owners and, and builders are, are are using now. Yeah, it'd be like like just going in and buying a bunch of two-by-fours and uh, starting to build a house. Without yeah. yeah, with no, yeah. With no architect. Yeah, without yeah. architect or blueprints. And you know, we have Chris Gray, uh, he's our lead designer, and uh, hmm. he it, that is just a phenomenal resource for exactly what you know, you're saying, the we don't modify things for the sake of modifying them. Or if you're going to cut this, don't cut it to the extent to where people like know you cut it. You don't have to justify, you don't have to cut it three inches to justify you cut it. You can cut it and like move it a half inch, a quarter inch. There's Mm -hmm. so many little tweaks and the designers have all done such a great job with that. And I think it's like you were comparing it to the, uh, like the, you know, hot rod scene. And you look at that and it's almost like, you know, the street rods were so flamboyant and there was like, everything was big, swoopy, crazy billet. And then, then like the traditional cars started becoming more and more popular. And I almost feel like this is now kind of like the traditional muscle cars, but people want to modify them and they want to make them better, but they're doing it with a very traditional vision. So like for us, you most of the cars that we've been doing lately, it's we kind of generate like it's a theme. It's a nostalgic vintage theme where the car is super modified and super updated. But when it's all said and done, it's it, it has a it still keeps its personality and its identity. Like Pinkies did back in like Hemisphere and some of the other things that they were doing. Yeah. A very mm-hmm. traditional, but a complete modern twist yeah. on it. Uh, yeah, he's I, one of the guys that I think really knocked that out of the park like early on. This is strictly for me, and nobody else will get this. But how how would Chris describe those cars? I want to hear. I want which cars? Chris, uh, any of the, I want to hear a Chris Gray impersonation, honestly. <laughs> and, uh, then, and then what do we have to see if like start looking for a designer? We have to contact Eric Black. Chris loves him. I think the other big trend too that's changing the industry is that people are wanting to drive them and use them more. 
And then that pushes you guys to elevate that. So, you know, cars can last 30, 40, 50,000 miles. You know, I think that's a huge component of it because you're starting to see a big trend. I think maybe I could almost give a little credit to Optima on this when they started the streetcar challenge. Um, I mean, that I think some drove, because there's a number of cars that went out on those first few events that, you know, were awesome at SEMA, but they kind of fell on their face at the track because, you know, you're building, you're, a lot of the builders are building a car for a show circuit, not necessarily to like, you know, yeah, putt around, go to haul ass a little bit, but not really like drive. And I've seen that trend more and more and more. Um, and I think you guys should take a lot of credit for pushing that envelope too. Um, and I'm seeing a lot more in at least the shops that I'm going to, I'm seeing a lot more OEM integrations and trying to bring more technology. And I don't think it'll be long before you start seeing more and more EV stuff or even hybrids. You know, I think that might be another place to go, but um, I just think that trying to make a 56 year old car drive like a modern car and have all the amenities and be able to drive cross country without really worrying about it. I think you guys have been kind of spearheading that a little bit more too. Yeah. I think, I feel like we've been our own biggest critics on that after doing road tour after road tour after road tour. We just keep pushing to make those cars do exactly like you said, to make them as much like an OEM car. So when you're driving across country, you're not really thinking about it. It's just performing. It's riding phenomenally well. And then there's always, it's like the progression. You're always pushing to one up, not like your competitor, not another shop, but yourself. Like we have, uh, you know, what I would consider a duplicate to Matt Saxton's car that uh, it's in the shop right now. It's kind of on its final stages. Uh, we're just putting the, hanging the last of the chrome pieces on it, but it is tenfold the detail of that car because it's got the style, it's got the look, it's got the theme, but you know, it's like it's taken to 11. Yeah. It's taken to 11. I mean, it's like Riddler level details and machine parts and fitment, but for all intents and purposes, it's the exact same car as Matt Saxon's. It's just vinyl top. Yeah. With a vinyl. We had to, we had to set it apart a little bit because I was worried that at a glance, you're, you're going to move right past it. So Mm. yeah, we settled. I was pushing for red and black. No, yeah, that was, that's the next, push hard enough. That's the next iconic color combo from the white and black. But uh, we settled on the vinyl top to to just set it a little bit apart from that. I mean, that Onyx the Onyx car was off the charts too. Knowing that the first avant garde car mm-hmm. you had done that was yeah yeah that yeah. I mean that car just when I shot that car, I was I couldn't stop looking at it. It was like it's to me it reminds me of Barry's car in a lot of ways because when I first saw Barry's car, it was. I was, it was detail after detail after detail, but the car looked like it's supposed to. And just, yeah, just the level of detail on those cars is just amazing. You must be getting a check from Barry. That's like your seventh mention of Barry on this episode. Uh, Steven uh, mentioned this a little bit. He kind of almost, you know, uh, went off into it a little bit too much. But uh, I, my question was going to be, yeah, it's not a problem. My question was going to be for each of you and whoever wants to start first was going to be your your top two cars um, personally for whatever reason that you featured in Wheel Hub. Um, if we don't like the answers, we're just going to cut this out. Nobody else is going to hear it, so it doesn't really matter. But uh, uh, whoever wants to go first, t- top two. I, I, I give you two because nobody can pick just one. I feel like they're going to be 
unanimously Troy Trapan your cars. Most I, I gotta go last. Sick to have some more time to think about it. <laughs> Try to so take this one. Yeah, I don't know about two, but my favorite car that we've uh run. Well, there's that's hard to say. One of my favorite cars that we've run is uh a car that Eric built that won uh the roaster show a couple of years. It was at 19, 2019. Copper yeah. penny? Three, th- three penny. Three penny. Three penny three roaster. Penny. Um, I think that was uh, one of those cars that was a little bit underappreciated. Well, a lot of people look at it just because of the colors that were used. Uh, but there's a lot of really crazy detail work on that car. A lot of innovative work. Uh, that would probably be one of my favorites. I think that beautiful car. Yeah, that's very subtle. That dude's just got the recipe. Eric, for, the, for hot the color choices he always that the the finishes, the colors, everything, the textures. He's he's got he's got that. I kind of like for him to do like my living room because I feel like he's got just <laughs> such a great style. You know, <laughs> I like to talk to him about that. Uh, he built a badass brewery. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> even like his 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 the brewery, the building, his shop. It's just all really bitching stuff. Yeah. Who's up next, Rob or Steven? Yeah, I'm going to, before I even get into the question itself, I'm going to put everything Troy Trepanier does. He's in a different dimension. So he's not, yeah, he's not part of this conversation. Let's just put it that way. It just wouldn't be, it it wouldn't be fair. And it's just so, I mean, I have a hard time even comprehending. uh, Everything that went into what he built. So it's, it's, again, it's, it's literally like, it's in another dimension, so unobtainable that you know I can appreciate it, but it makes it a little more difficult to relate to it. So it just pisses uh, you off looking at it. Honestly. Oh yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's kind of the theme of our podcast. It's like fuck Troy. Let's move on to something yeah, else. Sucks. Everybody knows. <laughs> he sucks. So Troy is either on a different planet or in a different dimension. Though. Yeah. Now with that out of the way, um, man, it it might. It's hard to pick just two, but uh, I really like the. Uh, uh, just say the, it. It's Barry's car. Just say it. The Rod Emery. <laughs> that we did. Yeah, Rod um, Emery stuff is really cool. Yeah. The um, you know I just love those cars, and I, I part of me is biased too because he has such an interesting history with it with his dad and his granddad. Um, how they started out in the thick of things in Southern California. Uh, when hot rods were real big and it just kind of transitioned to Porsches. But when you talk to him, uh, whatever he tells you ab- about building cars, although he's building Porsches, it's applicable to uh, any other genre uh, of the of the industry. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I, I love those cars. Um, hey, that's a great one because we're actually trying to get Rod Emery on yeah. as a guest. So that's, yeah, that's a... I don't, think, I don't know him personally, but I'm a huge fan. Of the history of the Valley, the Valley Custom Shop. I mean, from yeah. his dad and stuff. Yeah, he'd be a great guest, man. Really interesting guy to talk to. If you know uh, him, maybe like nice. like yeah. put in you know, good send, word. Him, send him a text message. Send, yeah, put in the good word for us. <laughs> uh, I, I will. Um, and then, other than that, man, um, as hard as it is to pick, I, I'm going to go back to uh, Matt Saxon Chevelle. I mean, I, I'm not just saying that because I'm talking to you guys. <laughs> Um, I just love 70 Chevelles, one of the best looking muscle cars ever built. Uh, but like when we talk on the phone, Jerem, he said, those things drive like shit. You know, we, there's that mystique with the 454 and the four speed and all that, yep. but 
you get in one and it's not that fun to drive, but I just love how you've retained that look and feel. Um, but it's a million times better than stock. And the big thing uh, is, again, I can't afford that car, but I can at least look at it and go, maybe someday I can have something that's 25% as good as that car. Yeah, here's <laughs> here's the problem. We it will always be Matt Saxon's Chevelle, but we keep referencing it as Matt Saxon's Chevelle. And he keeps texting me like he's pissed that we talked him into selling it. Like, Matt you know, is, yeah, oh, really? it's not it's not Matt's car oh, anymore. Man. Yeah, so we Isn't keep talking. Yeah, it's yeah, it's Joe Rogan's, but it's <laughs> <laughs> he's enjoying it. Joe Joe <laughs> loves the car. Yeah, but Matt, we keep talking about the car because That's, the car was an iconic. It is still an iconic the, car. A podcast is what sold it. Hauls ass. Yeah, the yeah. podcast honestly is what did it because it was. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Matt's never going to sell it. He's never going to sell it. Rogan talked to him about it on his podcast. And I mean, yeah, like if I was going to sell it to anybody, it, it'd probably be Joe Rogan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I can attest, I can attest that car holds major ass. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I got to drive that car. Uh, me and Matt swapped seats and he took the legend truck and I put, I don't know, probably 500 miles on that thing. Uh, where were we? Tail the dragon. I got it on the, oh, on the yeah. end of that yeah. where you and I were. We were on each other's bumpers at like 120 <laughs> miles an hour. We uh, we both were going to be like, at that point, honestly, I mean, I apologize to, to the customers, but neither one of us were going to lift. No. <laughs> and if, if it was going to end badly, like we weren't going to be around yep. to have to deal with They'd the have to tell the stories <laughs> after oh, the yeah. fact. <laughs> well, even speaking of that, Matt Saxon Chevelle, I mean, we know it's fast because there was a, there was a certain trip coming back from Columbus a couple of years ago. I was actually driving Matt Saxon's oh, didn't Chevelle. You, yeah, you dusted some dude. Was, <laughs> remember we were driving, we were driving like seven or eight deep. A bunch of guys from the shop, uh, employees, and uh, different guys and customers, and we were driving back from Columbus. This was like it's like a Hellcat or something. It was a Hellcat. <laughs> it was yeah, six thirty at night, um, and I don't know for whatever reason. I'm driving uh, Matt's car at that time, and we roll up next to this uh, Hellcat, and uh, he's in the far left lane. I'm in the middle lane right next to him, and he's driving. He's driving probably 75 or 80, and uh, we roll up next to him. I can see everybody in the back, all, like following. They all like kind of spread out, right? And I can see like <laughs> phones coming up, and then the like drivers and <laughs> in the windshields. I'm like, oh, okay, it's on. So. Uh, and I drop a gear or whatever, and I can watch. He's got his, he's got a girlfriend, wife, whatever, in the passenger seat, and I can see that head keep going over. And I, I mean, we've all been young, and I've all, I mean, I've been married for a long time, and I, I know the mean? look. Yeah, you, you, you weren't young when you did this. Oh, okay. Well, we've all been young okay. before. I, I know the look. Were when, you ever young? Fuck you. <laughs> I know the look of the wife or the girlfriend that looks over. That's basically saying, "So you're not a man." You're just gonna let him roll, and that, and you, when that look happens like four times, I know what's coming, right? So, I mean, I've dropped a gear and all that stuff, and I'm kind of like revving it up, and uh, he just drops one gear. He got absolutely fucking destroyed, <laughs> and I mean, probably 15 minutes later, we stop at a gas station, and like all the guys behind, they're showing the videos, and this guy just getting absolutely hammered. So he either got divorced that night or got broken up with that night. <laughs> he didn't get laid. No, he didn't get laid. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> but cool car. Uh, yeah, very cool car. Sorry, we got off topic. Yeah, sorry. It was a story about <laughs> Matt Sexton Chevelle. Good. All right, Rob. What's what your you favorite? Got, 
Oh, that one's a tough one because I get to see so many of them. But um, one standout for me just because I love Volkswagens. It's um, Scott's Sigchops' Volkswagen. Very just, cool. That car was just the thing was a blast. I got, he took me for riding that thing, and it's not slow at all. It things, I mean, it, the fit and finish, the, all the detail to it, plus it can back it up power-wise. The thing is absolutely amazing. Um, and I had to kind of circle back around to like one of the early issues. I've got to give um, Jeremy Miranda's um, the Camaro. I got to say that. I, mean, I know it's one of the nicest Camaros I've seen in quite some time. And that one still really sticks out to me when I'm asked that question. Um, I mean, there's everything about that car that, I mean, the quality of it, the fit and finish, um, just he took that thing to a whole nother level that I haven't seen those cars go to yet. And um, yeah, he's, he did, he did, those two are probably the ones that really stand out the most to me. It's something what we were talking about before. That's, that's Miranda's going to bring his a game every time. Yep. Uh, he, cool. Yeah, yeah, Miranda's that uh, had one of the coolest avant-garde interiors I've done. I think it that was like yeah. the that most a, the most OEM I think that he did. You yes. feel like you're in a real exactly real car, yeah. crazy. Yeah, that's uh, Miranda knows how to bring it with the. I mean, the details, the style. Yeah, brings his A game every single time. That's to back up our point. No matter what, South Beach A game. South, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should see his F four fifty. That yeah. thing is fucking. Yeah, when it comes sick. to like daily drivers, listed stuff, on twenty four. That's that's a more. They do more. that. Does he do the Carolina <laughs> squat thing too? Or no, is not that, in Miami. No, no, no. In Miami, it's just they got all the uh, lights in the fender wheel uh, lights. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, but the the sick shops uh, Volkswagen Scott does some killer work, and that thing was super cool. It's it's rad to see a VW finish to that level because it was built, you know, on like hot rod caliper, right? Very high end. I love that. Did you guys see the one that was at uh, Grand National Roadster Show this year? Oh yeah, that thing was just an mm-hmm. unbelievable car too. That was that <laughs> was a complete mind. I never did see it, dude. It, I heard all about it. There's so much shit. I mean, from a guy, I don't know Volkswagens. I love them. I've always wanted a notchback, yeah. and I, I love everything about them. But I don't know all the intricacies and the details and stuff. Me and Phil were there, and both of us are just like we got bruises on our arms because we're just like nudging each other like well fuck i don't even know what that is but holy shit look at that uh well strobe was telling me a story when he was um when strobe was telling me a story when he was judging it that things got 15 to 1 compression can you imagine with the thumb down i'm just sounds wicked yeah yeah he said it just isn't the gnarliest thing he's ever heard and i i'm trying to talk the i'm trying to talk the builder and bring it out here for columbus because we're gonna we want to feature it but yeah, and I think it's just unbelievable. The the to throw back back to Wheel Hub, um, it's been a long time when me and Phil were looking at that Volkswagen. It's been a long time since a car has, I guess, grabbed me by the innards, if you will. Um, and the last the last <laughs> car was was Andis's Oldsmobile. Um, yeah. the, mm-hmm. you, you featured that car. I, I got to get yeah. uh, uh, fortunately got to get a good walk around at Detroit that year with that car. And that was one of those cars where it was just like, I mean, I guess I could, if I worked at like the grocery store in the morning and then I worked at like maybe like Burger King at night, then I could maybe scratch by a living because I was thinking about like, this is just not for me. I just need to, because these guys are way <laughs> better. That 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 car, that Oldsmobile, and then the Volkswagen is the first one in a long time that's done that kind of same feeling. Damn. Like, holy shit. Yeah, that, the Vol- Volkswagen that Oldsmobile. Was 
Yeah, that Oldsmobile is definitely a drop the mic thing. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I I couldn't. I I was all over that car at Detroit that year, and I couldn't find a flaw. Yeah, that, that one was one, especially yeah, laying underneath it. You know, it was like two o'clock in the morning. We're there and laying underneath it. And it's just like, see, that's how I am with Troy stuff. I use the Survivor cars. The I use the excuse is that we build them because people like really like driving them, and it's just easier. Like, the only reason we're building them is because I look at Troy stuff and I'm like. Yeah, motherfucker. No, I'm, I'm not even going to attempt to build high-end nice stuff anymore. How about Survivor? Coach? Troy's, Troy's the guy that polishes the inside of his AC hard lines. Like, yeah. the, in, the inside of those things. Are... Yeah, the, uh, That'd be Moose's job, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah when, when we featured the um, the Andice car in, in, in our first issue, so I think it had been about two years since the first time I saw it. So I got, I got to spend a couple of days. They showed me everything, put it up on the lift. And ever since then, I think back on it and go, could it really be, is it as nice as I remember? If I were to see it again, would it still, in my head, is it still as nice as I remember? So I saw it a second time, like, yep, every bit is nice. <laughs> you know, it, I'm, It's not distorted in any way. It's just incredible. Every millimeter of that car. Um but yeah, that's um, you know that's that's uh that's why I say we we want to do whatever we can to not have real jobs because that's what we get to do instead of <laughs> uh, you guys have yeah, to we, get, we, we, we we can just go look at them. Oh, you guys do a I mean a phenomenal job of bringing all that to the to the masses to show them what goes into those cars, all the details because you really wouldn't know, and to see all those little. Tips, tricks, details, the things that you aren't usually seeing in magazines. That's, uh, you guys are doing a, a great justice to the hot rod community and we appreciate it. A lot of that, that goes to Robert. Robert. Robert spends a lot of time photographing details that a lot of people would miss, I think. And so it, I'm, I'm always overwhelmed when he sends a, a, a batch of photos over, you know, something he shot. I remember the first time I thought, what, there's 120 images. What am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> You're just overwhelmed because there's so many angles and details and <clears throat> intricacies that, that he's photographed. So uh, a lot of that hats off to him because he catches all that stuff when he's photographing it. I have to gripe at him sometimes because he's so busy on the details that like, Robert, could you give me like a, maybe a picture of the back end of the car? <laughs> like the side. The whole car. We got 26 pictures of the engine and every last little detail of it, but can I get one of the back of the car, maybe? Well, well Rob's been making us look good for like, what, 15 years or something. So we we appreciate yeah, it, man. That, it's, yeah. it's been a great relationship. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a pleasure to call you a friend. And uh, you've, you've done some wonders for a lot of cars we've done. And I've always, uh, always a pleasure to see him featured, you know, see your work what you can do with our work. So it's a, it's been a great partnership over the years. Yeah. Well, we got to get your stuff shot this year. Yeah. The, the old boats one that I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, yeah. You put your, uh, what, your how's twist your, on. how's your chopper coming? Uh, yeah, it's coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's getting close. <laughs> it's actually getting pretty close. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, getting put together right now. Uh, good. yeah. Bill Steele's putting it together and doing a hell of a job and, yeah, I mean it's when it's done when it's done, so it's uh, it's going to be a pretty neat piece. Yeah, I remember that thing. Uh, well, it's been over ten years, hasn't it? Yeah, I lost track of the years. 
It's well, just, anyway, it's I know. I mean, there's a lot of cards. There's, no, I wouldn't say that. I mean, there's a lot of builds that are like that. I mean, I mean, this is a personal build, so it's different. But I mean, I remember seeing that thing in you know first few pieces when you start building it. So I've been anxiously waiting for that thing to come around. It, it should be that, should be on the road this summer. I think we're right okay. there. Awesome. And my Miata is almost done uh, getting detailed, so that should be. <laughs> <laughs> You've had all winter to detail that thing. <laughs> you got to get the right temperature. It's not that big of a car, Phil. Come on. Yeah, when you detail a Miata, though, you don't want to leave any any nook unturned. Well, now we reach the uh, reach the point where we start asking some of the standard questions that we ask every guest. Some of these might seem weird, um, and they probably are. But at the end of the year, when we when we string them all together, and we hear what all the industry titans and legends have answered to some of these questions. It's going to be great. So well, they, uh, they, they can look back on this one and, and see what the scrubs had to say. So <laughs> dude, there's no scrubs here because there's only one person that's referenced again. I'll say it again. Martin Luther King, Warren Buffett and the Beatles. Yeah, probably the most, the three most distinguished guys we've talked to thus far. Absolutely. Uh, they all came from Stephen Kim, but <laughs> so, so one, <laughs> Uh, first up, what is some of the best advice you've ever received? Always look through the windshield, not the rear view mirror. Oh, that's good. Good one. I like that one. Real good. That was my dad. That's a good one, man. You know, when I was painting, <clears throat> an old guy uh, that taught me a lot about uh, painting body work told me, don't ever work for a lawyer because if you get crossways with him, he can fund your misery forever at almost <laughs> no cost to him. And I always heeded that advice. I never, I never painted for a lawyer, but anyway, that's, that's, good, that's really man. good. That's a new one. <laughs> yep. My dad, my dad offered, uh, and not a saying per se of advice, but it was, it was what we already talked about. It was whatever you do. All I ever expect you to do is the best that you can do and nothing less. And so I, you know, I struggled with that as a teenager, but as I got older, I tried to take that to heart. And so everything that I do, I try to do it the very best that I can to my own detriment. A lot of times I get behind and late, but you know, I just want it to look a certain way when we're done. That's a, that's solid. It's very poignant and very good. I'm, I've got a 15 year old son about to turn 16. Uh, we went through the uh, year of wrestling last year. Um, He's doing off-season wrestling and some tournaments and a uh, private gym and stuff. And that's that's what I've tried to impart to him is it's not about every single time, you know, the win or the most points or stuff like that. If you came out and tell me, look, I gave it every single thing I had and that dude beat my ass, then that's fine. I'm good with that. Yeah, I'm good with that. And that's difficult with a 15-year-old, you know, and he's getting it. He's starting to get it more. But there's been times like, oh, I could have I got him, you know. I'm lo- and then, then I get pissed. You know, the loss wasn't what was what pissed me off was when he's like, "Oh, I could have got him." Then I get pissed. Then, I'm then like, "Why what? didn't you?" Then why didn't you? If you could have, <laughs> yeah. you would have, right? And yeah. that, like you said, give it, give it your all, and whatever, and lay, let the cards lay where they be. You know, that's yep. good, Stephen. You've well, been given like- plenty of time to 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 come up with. <laughs> I see something. the wheels turning over there. Yeah. Well, th- this advice wasn't given to me directly, but I heard on YouTube. Um, <laughs> so you still heard it. It was given to you. 
It's a Jeff Bezos line. It's good be grief. Here we go. Another be stubborn one. in the vision, <laughs> but flexible what in the, the What are you watching? <laughs> oh, you don't want to know. Yeah. Say it again. I'm sorry. Hey. We messed it up. Be stubborn in the vision, but flexible in the details. Hmm. So I haven't heard that one before. I, I, well, it's, I guess we can relate. You can relate to a lot of things, but, um, you know, the, uh, you know, for us, you know, the, um, you know, whether we're talking about when we started wheel hub, the ideas we had for that or truck hub or whatnot, we had this concept, but we didn't quite know, um, exactly how we're going to do it. And if we were so rigid about sticking to a script, we would have never made it. You know, we're always having to adapt and, and, and being flexible on the fly. Uh, but I think it's like that with anything, even building a car. Like, you, you, you've got your ideas. Um, Chris Gray puts it on paper. But as you're going through the build, I'm sure there are things that you got to tweak here and there to get to that vision that you have. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's just something I think about when – I'm trying to do anything worth a damn. It's like, hey, we've got, um, we know where we want to go, but we can't get so distracted about doing things in such a rigid way that we never get there. You know, we, yeah. we got to, you never know what's going to come up and we got to be able to uh, you know, have the flexibility to kind of adapt on the fly to, to get to get to where we want to get. And, uh, you know, that's, I think uh, Wheel Hub was the ultimate example of whatever, however you expect it's going to go, you should plan on doing it different when you get there because it's not going to go that way. It's <laughs> not going to work out exactly like you think it's going to. So you better be pretty flexible. And I think we don't plan anything. That's, well, yeah. all these, I feel like come back to, you know, the advice I got was the do something, even if it's not right. And that like, as we're sitting around, we're racking our brains right now, you know, beating our heads against the wall. We're getting ready to move into a, additional our second facility mm. little uh you know yeah yeah second facility yeah. Expansion. Exactly. Expansion. expansion yeah and that's the same thing we're killing ourselves trying to like where do we put this where does this go how are we going to lay this out is this going to flow into this and it's you know at, at one point it's just like start moving fuck it yep. start moving dive what in, is that line figure what it is out. that line analysis gives you paralysis yeah you don't want, yeah, we don't want to suffer from paralysis analysis for analysis paralysis for sure. Oh, that's that's actually really good. Yeah, Stephen bringing the heat. Yep. Ah. So we got Bezos, yeah. MLK, I know, Beatles, Warren Buffett. He's a quasi philosopher. Yeah. Yeah. You got any like Plato, Socrates? <laughs> yeah, he's a little bit <laughs> Socrates. Did little you say Ted's reference? Socrates. Socrates. <laughs> uh. <laughs> We're gonna have some hors hor derbies after this. Uh, you, you want your 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 listeners to be entertained, right? I'm gonna put them to sleep if we keep going. Uh, next question: uh, What's your favorite car movie and why? Uh, I've been I've been racking my brain on that one because there's so many of them. But I mean, I know a lot of people have been saying Ford versus Ferrari, which said, you know, it's it's an awesome movie, but. Um, Hey, you know what that, that tells me? Mind. Rob's been listening. Rob's been yeah. listening. But I mean, I love like smoking the banana stuff, but I think a couple of them are overshadowed. Like Vanishing Point was a kind of a cult classic. Yeah. Um, that was an interesting movie. Um, Bullet was a great, had one of the best chase scenes ever. Um, 
those are just a couple that I can think of that really stood out to me. You got to pick one. Especially, I would say Bullet for me. All right. Bullet for Rob McGaffin. Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah. That that one's mine. Oh, Smoking Bandit. Yeah. Smoking the Bandit and Cannonball Run give each other a run for the Cannonball money. Run. Is yeah, that's Cannonball Run's amazing. Yeah. And when's the last time you've watched Cannonball Run? In the About early early nineties, you've probably. got to give Cannonball Run another run. I mean, telling I'll you say, what, I've, I've thrown a when, few out there like over the years, well, over the course of this uh, you know podcast, but it's very clearly you've got Tulane Blacktop. It's got to be number one, yeah. and Days and Confused. I mean, those are, those have got to be one and two. Really? Yeah, and you could flip flop them. I feel like back and forth. Going Days and Confused number one. And Days of Thunder, strong number two. Yeah, it's, oh, Days of Thunder is a good really, one. Yeah. But, but Days of Thunder has to be on Laserdisc. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. I, I promise you, <laughs> if it's been that long since you've watched Cannonball Run, I you give Cannonball Run another run. When when he's when they run into that damn pool, well, there's a Kuntash, and he yeah. But I'm telling you, there's so many good lines in that movie. Dom DeLuise and all that. That's unbelievable. <laughs> But the bloopers at the end is what kills me. Exactly. Uh, killer. We're going to have to have a movie night. We're going to do Cannonball Run movie night here soon. All right. Sorry, Stephen. What's your What's your movie? Uh, I'll be surprised if any other guest has picked this movie. Of course. Summer. You've got to show what, how uh, educated you are. Corvette. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, Corvette Summer. Hell yeah, dude. We've got the Corvette Summer car, believe it or not, is like three blocks down the road from here. Oh, no Hello. kidding. <laughs> Every time yeah, we do a remember, test. Dude. I was just <laughs> talking about the uh, CHRA Oldsmobile, how kind of blown away by it and thinking, was it really that good? And the second time you see it, it is. Corvette Summer is the exact opposite. The reason I, I picked sucks. that movie, <laughs> because I was, I was like seven years old when I saw that. My parents were too cheap to take us to the movie, so I had to wait till it came on TV. And I thought that was like the most badass car I'd ever seen. And then when I went back and looked at that car uh, years later, I was like, what the hell was I thinking? That's the ugliest, <laughs> gaudiest piece of junk. I've ever seen, but when I was seven, it was so. It was cool. red. Dude, we've got a test drive, like a standard route we take, and when you go down uh, Winchester over there, and you turn around in that little subdivision, yeah, there's like the the cover is blown off of it, and it's been sitting there for years. Have you guys ever seen it? It no. is a fucking replica of the Corvette Summer, oh, really? and it just sits there. It's like in a totally normal neighborhood, like you would have. Wow. It has no business being there, but it's there. You think it's the one? Well, well, I knew there was a shop not far from you terrible. that actually was rebuilding one. Well, maybe that's the one. They probably finally maybe took it out of the driveway. But that was what was that movie? 12, 15 years ago. It was a, uh, owned a car lot. Like that's an original bandit car right there from the movie. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. It, it was a, they owned a used car lot, and they had that was like their attraction to get people in. Right. It was a bandit car sitting up on like a, a stand. Oh, and that like, was the fucking uh, sell the metal. No, it wasn't. It wasn't yeah, that one. Yes, it was. No, it was with the uh, dude. Like this is a thirty dollar haircut. It's also in that movie. Yeah, the Jeremy Piven movie. No, it wasn't sell the metal. Uh, used Plus, cars. You just dropped two of the same quotes from that. Movie. Were they from that movie? Yeah, it is. It's the oh, the goods. It's the, the goods. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's from that movie. Hundred percent. Right, we're gonna from Google that it. movie. That you won't fight. Yeah. 
Uh, I was painting graphics at Gene Winfield's shop years ago for a, it's a customer in Houston that was doing some work for him. And, uh, I went out and had, it was, the shop was not spectacular looking at all, but in the back, there was this field kind of area. And I found one of the fiberglass bodies of the flying police car from back to the future Two was sitting back there. Oh, and wow. I thought that was the coolest thing. Yeah. I had pictures of it somewhere. That's but super cool. People, it was pretty cool, yeah. Uh, next, you guys have probably done a lot of interviews and a lot of podcasts. And have you ever done anything remotely as bad as this, ever? Oh, they're all bad because we're on them. <laughs> <laughs> badass, uh, yeah, badass. Now, honestly, the the, the, the I, I've really uh, I think you guys have done a great job. It's a really nice setup you got, and um, dude, the yes. check the check's already been sent. You don't have to like say <laughs> say anything. Yeah, we have no idea what we're doing. We're just winging it. So we appreciate the pumping the ego. We do that four times a year. This was an excuse to talk to more friends because we haven't been traveling in a while and drink whiskey. And this is what came out of it. There you go. So we're doing that. It's time for the pocket dump. Whoever wants to start, what's in your pockets right now? Well, considering my situation, I don't have a whole lot in my pockets. (laughs) (laughs) I got my AirPods, keys, and my phone, basically. So not real exciting, but... Rob, we're going to have to get you a pocket knife. Next time you come down here, yeah, was, we're going to get you a pocket actually, knife. Actually, I was going to ask you because I need to get one. So I think we're actually... Which one? This is what we're doing. We've got we've got an extra pair of nunchucks that... <laughs> Send them to Rob. No, listen. So we got an extra pair of nunchucks still, that Alan yeah, Johnson sent us. He's got he's got a set right there. Yeah, they're still hanging right on the. But we're gonna have chair. we're gonna have a leather tooled pouch built for them. A belt a belt carry for the nunchucks. And I want Rob to, to belt carry nunchucks the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah. What do you got, Stephen or Rodney? Who's got next? Keychain. It's a braille uh, braille keychain. Says Dad. It's for my youngest son, who's completely blind. That's cool. Man. Oh wow, that's really cool. How old is you your son? The front. He's eleven. Well, my oldest one's sixteen. My youngest one that's blind is eleven. And then, of course, the key to your front door has to be the state of Texas key. Texas. Yeah. <laughs> God bless Texas. Um, all, all I've got is my Android phone. The, the last time I pulled it out of my pocket, actually, Rob was there at at, at uh, Jesse James's shop, and uh, he, Jesse saw that and just laughed his ass off. He said, "What the hell is that?" You're supposed to be some creative whatever, and you got an Android phone. Oh, you get whoa, yourself an iPhone. whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> You're ruining yeah. text message chains for everybody. Yeah, yeah you Careful. and Josh. Small videos. Hey, I've, yeah. I've, I'm, I'm an Android. I'm an Android guy <laughs> myself. And uh, what is up with it? We've got to start like a whole new movement because the, the yeah, all three of you guys can get together. Border, honestly, it's borderline racism. The fact that the, <laughs> the, the the amount of fucking hate that you iPhone like teat sucklers have against what what does it fucking matter what kind of phone I have? It does matter. It doesn't, but they like suck. When I want to send them a yeah. video of a cool yeah, car. Dude. I can't send the video because right. it's going to be about we're going to be about yeah. one quarter inch by one quarter inch when it comes on Steven. You really like, tell what that is, man? With my buddy, my buddy Casey Wagner, I have to send him everything via 
email or through Facebook yeah. Messenger because yeah. I, you can't send. Is any, Casey got an Android? Yeah, case? Casey's oh, probably got a flip so phone. You can't First send of all, fucking well, what text the fuck message. are you going to say to Casey Wagner? He can carry whatever <laughs> fucking phone he wants well, to. From here, I'll say a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's only got one arm at the moment. <laughs> in front of him, I'm not going to say shit. <laughs> Anybody that's listening has never seen Casey Wagner. That's a that's a that's big, a big motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he ain't gonna say that shit is, to Casey. That is big boy. He can carry whatever fucking phone he wants. Or right now, I'm be talking <laughs> shit. You just can't send him a video on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, oh. you can send him a video of you talking shit, so he can't see it, right? <laughs> yeah, that would be it. Well, fellas, it's been honestly it's been it's yeah, been really really, really cool, good yeah. i didn't know what to expect i know each of you uh you know varying levels uh individually but not knowing what to expect all three together and uh the history and stuff this has been really good yeah it's been awesome catching up guys yeah i've known rob for forever man me, me and rob been great buddies we developed a phenomenal relationship over the years but uh Stephen and Rodney, you know, I, I think Rodney, I don't know that we've ever even met in person, but I think uh, we've ever met. This has been uh, been phenomenal. Really, really cool listening to the story. And uh, yeah, glad to have had you guys on. Yeah, it's I appreciate having us. Great hearing the passion and uh, and 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 talking to the guys behind echoing Phil's statement uh, and and Jeremy's statement as well as is somebody chase, changing the face of the of the landscape uh, yeah. in the print media for sure. Keep What's doing your, what you're doing. Uh, the motto for the magazine or the slogan? Print different. Yeah. Yes. Like, I like that. That twist sums it up. I, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm gonna play Stephen Kim's part of being a little bit smart because I love. I don't know what the 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 correct uh, terminology for that phrase would be, but the print different. You can take it both ways. Like it, it's print differently, you know, or they're printing different. I, I love that, and and the, for a for a dumb redneck from Alabama to, to be able to get that, you know, you you dumbed it down just enough, but you know, elevated. <laughs> well, Josh, you hit the nail right on the head there. <laughs> but uh, but also, anybody listening, uh, we'll. I mean, guys, honestly, not just because you're guests here today and and you guys are friends. It's a phenomenal magazine. I don't even consider it a magazine. It is a absolute coffee beautiful table coffee piece. table piece. Yep. Yeah, get. Yeah, you know, if you're a hot rod shop out there coming up, or you already made it, you better have this, you know, in the showroom or on the counter or something exactly. like that. We get hundreds and hundreds of magazines. We toss them all in the lunchroom. Everybody reads them. At some point, you got to purge them. The Wheel Hub is the one that we I I, I feel guilty, and I'll never throw one away. <laughs> it's a <laughs> it's a masterpiece, guys. So you know, hats off to you. You've done a beautiful job. Love yeah, everything you guys, have- you guys are doing done to the the print world what uh, i think we're trying to do to the car world and what most other builders of this level are trying to do to the car world so it's awesome to to have an outlet to uh to be able to to see our work and shown the way we would want it to be or probably better than we could anticipate much better keep yeah. keep, keep kicking ass guys it's been a pleasure yeah, you too, guys as well thanks a lot thanks, thanks fellas. absolutely fellas take care guys this was awesome thank you very much, much. appreciate later. it later guys Big thanks again to our guest, Wheelhub Magazine. Remember, you can learn more about Wheelhub Magazine at their website, wheelhubmag.com, or on Instagram at wheelhubmag. Before we go, in this episode's final segment, we're going to break down some of our new favorite pieces of gear. It says 
in this episode's final segment, but I know because I'm not all the way drunk, we have actually two more segments because we have to do in the glove box. Yep. The crowd favorite. And we also have to do a story time. Ooh, I yes. hope somebody's got a, got a story, story time tonight. Huh? I don't like that because we haven't talked about what this story is. Uh, There's a few options we could probably bring up. Hey, hey. First off, yeah. we have. I said a few options. Yeah. So many years of business. Yeah. So many things. We'll just scoot right along to in the glove box here. <laughs> first up, we have in the glove box. This is everyone's favorite segment. We talk about it every episode. We have done a poll. It's not public, but. Trust me when I say it's everyone's favorite. This is uh, where we each do a pocket dump and tell you all about any new cool gear, guns, EDC shit, or whiskey, and other stuff we're into. First up, let's go ahead and do it. What are we drinking? Because I'm going to be honest with you, I'm just a little bit tipsy. A little bit? Yeah. What are we drinking tonight? I know what we're drinking. We are drinking the latest release from Barrel Bourbon. This is batch number 32. O three two, they like to refer it to it as O three two, yeah. Barrel bourbon. Josh has got some notes on this one. I do. I have a nice. uh, This would be. uh, I don't know what grade cardstock this would be printed on, but it's thick thick. and it's heavy. Yeah. Barrel bourbon. (laughs) Barrel bourbon reached out. We actually did a review not too long ago on some barrel bourbon dovetail. Uh, Barrel bourbon sent us a new one to try. This is their brand new batch thirty two. All right. This is a pretty long read, but I'm going to get through some of it. This is, I don't know if you know anybody, anything about barrel bourbon, but it's a blend. They, they take a bunch of different barrels, blend them together. Hence the name barrel bourbon. This is a uh, blend of straight bourbon whiskeys. It's distilled and aged in Kentucky, Tennessee, and Indiana. So, yeah. It's a selection of five, six, seven, and 10-year-old barrels. It's aged in white oak, American white oak, bottled in Kentucky. It's a hundred and fifteen. Oh, that's explains you can tell, it. You can tell the proof. I, I haven't read this before. Yep. I'm reading it now. This uh, you can tell that it's hundred and fifteen proof. So batch thirty two began with a balance of two sets of barrels: a selection of five and six year old barrels with a creamy and tropical profile, and a selection of six, seven, and ten year old barrels vatted for their complex, old, and woody character. These two sets of barrels were slowly blended together over three months. A small group of spice-driven seven-year-old barrels with notes of cinnamon toast, coffee bean, and chocolate were then carefully blended to complete the blend. That's enough. I feel like that's enough. Yeah. Because yeah. you'll never hear me right. say those yeah. types of things. I, I, I'm having a hard time. Like, Listening? Yeah. Well, they printed it out. I got to no, read it. No, it's great. It's great. It's a phenomenal... You want to keep going? No, I want to. I'm going to keep going. You want me to give me give my rookie review? Just one second. I'm going to give one more thing. With a splash of spring water, dilution wedges the concentrated floral notes further apart to reveal a whole new level of complexity. Lavender, lemon, verbena, and pawpaw fill out the meadow. Yeah. So if you've got a little pawpaw filling out your meadow, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what that pawpaw is all about. But what I do know is that I've got. Probably about a half a dozen different barrel bourbons in my collection. Yes. I am yet to have a bad one. Everything you get from these guys is super solid. This one included. We poured it. Initial like reaction is that it is it's a little hot. Yep. You know, you know you're drinking something that's high proof, but it's not like it's not violent. It's something you I would say we're drinking this neat, but 
if I were if I were going to consume this whole bottle, I'd probably put this on, on ice. the on ice on the yeah. rocks. Throw you know just a little bit of water in it, and I would. This is awesome because it's got tons and tons of flavor, and that's what I flavor. think they do a really good yeah. job with. It doesn't have just like that liquor taste. There's always something super interesting with them. My only gripe with the I, I have a hard time personally just keeping track because mm-hmm. the, the the bottles are all the same. So you got to use like you got to have like some notes. I'm yeah, you got to use your intelligence what you a little have, bit. What you want to try, Jot what's good. Because yeah. they 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 maintain the same bottle, pretty similar logo, little different colors, and you know, there's just uh, what do they switch up on that? Well, it's interesting you say that, Jeremy, because the palette says cinnamon rolls arrive with rich buttery brioche dough, gooey caramel, and a spicy kick of cinnamon. The spice quickly expands to include wasabi and ginger. It's underpinned by a savory undertone of boiled peanuts and French butter. Yeah. I'm, so I'm just going to say... My tongue is not that sophisticated, <laughs> as we discussed in the last episode. I'm not going to jump all over you for saying that either. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't create it. I read it. But I will say... Um, adding a little bit of water. First... first uh, glass we drank was straight neat it was a little spicy but not bad adding a little water definitely opened up a lot more flavor to it but yeah to echo uh what jerry said i've got like three or four of their uh their bottles and every one is very good and very different than the the standard bourbon stuff well this has made Um, me a believer on it because i've been confused as hell um when you go to the liquor store and you see them there's so many different ones i don't I'm not smart enough. You know, you all know I'm not very smart. Of course, guy. Yeah, um, yeah, we're well aware. And um, I don't know which one's good. Now I know enough. Like you said, echo your statement. They're they're all great. Um, and yeah. you just you're going along for the ride. You don't know what you're going right. to get. You know they're going to be good. Just a little different flavor each time. Yeah, I really you, like the seagrass. We had the seagrass rye. Yeah, I think are are we confident as a trio with oil and whiskey brand and roadster shop brand on our backs? To state, if you're out and about, you don't have a barrel bourbon, you find a barrel bourbon, no matter what it is, buy it. Are you at that I, point? I'm going to say that, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say if you're at the liquor store and you're looking to make a purchase that's, it, it's it's typically a higher end. You know, yeah, you're usually like $60, $80 bottle yeah, range. Anywhere from 60 to 100 bucks. If you're prepared to spend that kind of money on a bourbon, I would go directly to any of the barrel bourbon products well we've gotten ourselves just a little bit of a catalog of reviews so now it's that time one to ten around the horn it really doesn't matter that they fucking sent us a bottle because we can all look each other in the eyes and know if this wasn't any good we'd say it wasn't any good right absolutely right yeah yeah so this is a true review what do you got jeremy you know what i think i'm gonna put it right where i put that dovetail, and I'm going to put it right there at a seven. I think it's that's and that's a fucking solid review. It's, it's a, a, a seven's a good review, and I, I I'm drinking it neat. I think if I put this on ice, I'd probably give it a couple more, couple more points. That'd probably be like a seven two seven three on ice. Oh whoa 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 whoa! I, I'm talking crazy. But there's a lot <laughs> under seven. There's very few over seven. So you're getting uh, it's a good crazy, dude. Yeah. It's good. I was going. In the sevens with a neat splash of water, I'm going to go mid sevens. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. I liked it. I'm going seven two. Let's write it down. Let's get the sheet. Put it down. Let's lock it down. Let's make it legit. 
I think that puts it right where it belongs. Jeremy, you're a what? You just said it. I was putting it at a seven, but mid sevens on ice. So put it at a seven, two across the board. Good average out. Yeah. It's a good one. So that was our first, first in the glove box. Sorry. Mike's a little screwed up. Next up, we have pocket dump time. It's time to dump your pockets. I know we laugh about this all the time because you carry the same shit over and over and over. But yep, every I, week we come back with a little bit of hope that maybe you change the, the game. Phil surprises us. Yeah. I change the game slightly. What you? I'm going to go with uh, what I'm wearing currently. Oh. Some people say the man makes the shirt. Some people say the shirt makes I, the man. In this case, it's a hell of a good looking combination. I, I noticed the, you look good today. That looked real good. Yeah. You, did you he see did, him yeah. coming in he with did. that chest poked he, out? Like, oh yeah. He looked fucking good today. <laughs> this is the, uh, he the did. Delmo edition uh, Dixon flannel. It's, uh, and it looks good on me. It does. Yeah. Unfortunately, you're right. Yeah. It, it looks very good. I'd be the first yeah. to tell you you look like a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> Would you? <laughs> yeah, it's a good looking flannel. Yeah. Uh, you. That's oh. a great looking flannel. I missed out on that flannel. Um, what? About a month ago, something like that. I also missed out, even more so. Love Delmo. I uh, I had planned. I'd set myself reminders. I'd set myself an alarm because there was a Travis Tritt drop. That was cool. That was too. a good was really? look. At, that fucking flannel was sold out in like three minutes. Mm. And I'm telling you what, like, I know we're. I know our our status, right? But I also think that we're fairly enough of a big fucking deal. Dixon would even like know who the fuck we are. I couldn't get a fucking Travis Tritt Dixon flannel, but that I'm telling That's you right now. That's the first time I've ever heard you get pissed off. Oh, There's I'm been pissed a lot off. of cool <laughs> Dixon drops, and the Travis Tritt one you know, is the one that has finally a, made you an, vocal. It's an awesome flannel, and I couldn't get one. And I even sent her an email, and I got no response back. So from this date, mark it down. I'm not buying another fucking Dixon. Are you listening to Travis Tritt anymore? Absolutely, because it's not What's Travis that, Tritt's is it, fault. Is it is it a great day to be alive? It's a that's, great that's day tra- to be alive. That's him, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tra- first of all, Travis Tritt's a fucking yeah, Travis badass. Travis Tritt fucking rocks. Yeah. Beautiful. Especially when Josh Beautiful fucking, no. ha- beautiful haircut on that guy. Too. Oh, it's, yeah, it's just, it's Travis Tritt hair. Yeah. But I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm, Starting a boycott. So, you, so you I'm are, not, you're talking shit. I'm not buying any more fucking Dixon flannels until I get a Travis Tritt. a Travis Tritt one. And I know that's gonna hurt their Phil, bottom line. Phil is Huge. a Travis Tritt one. No, he doesn't. What size do you wear? You don't have a Travis Tritt flannel. You got black Del- one? No, it's the it's the white one that came after the Del- yeah, Delmos. The white one. You after do Delmos? not have a Delma a Travis <laughs> Tritt one. Now Delmo flannel, it's fucking awesome. I missed yeah, out on it. Rocks. Yeah, Delmo's a great dude. But I'm telling you what. Fucking Dixon, they can kiss my ass. Hey, market, market. We are now. lining up the sponsors yeah, with this are. one. Dude, yeah, come on. I bought my, I bought my son one of the Dixon Barrett Jackson. It's, oh, that's the red and black one. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. It's an awesome flannel. Squid I get it. talking shit. They make good stuff. I'm not saying anything about their they make brand. Awesome stuff. I'm personally they need offended. To make more stuff that I couldn't get the Travis. So you're flannel. just basically being a whiny bitch right now. Uh, maybe, kind of. Yeah, yeah. You didn't get what you want. So you're yeah, throwing your toys. Absolutely. I'm being a full... You are throwing your toys. I'm being a full-blown Karen. Okay. And I didn't get to speak to the manager. Well, I, so. I apologize. <laughs> I'll probably have to send an email to Dixon apologizing because I'm sure they're going to hear about you just... Josh's whiny ass. Yeah. 
They can hear about it all they I'd want be to. On that. You got anything else? I do have something else in my pocket. I was doing a little uh, desk cleaning and I happened to find this. Oh. Josh, let's see if see if you can read that for me. If your old eyes are that good. I almost put the same. Yeah, I don't think you, you put serious? the same thing. Uh, there's a little engraving on the side. I want to see if you can read that. Phil's 815 yards. You didn't fucking shoot 815 I did. yards. It says so right on that bullet. Was this out in, uh, this is out in your and your wife's trip? Yeah, we went to, uh, with a 223? With a 223. Yeah, we went to, uh, Jackson Hole. I don't believe For this. my birthday, uh, last year, and I got a, uh, the, the in laws, um, got me a long range rifle class, which was the coolest thing I think I've ever Let me done. See that. I've always well, wanted to shoot long range stuff. First of all, before I hand this to you, yeah. Just he's going to continue telling the story. Sure, I'm going to hand this says 815 yards. For reference, it's probably not going to do a lot for you. Yeah, this I is know, eight dude. It's a fields. shit ton of football field. Yeah, it's eight <laughs> it's and sports. a little more. Yeah. It's a little more. <laughs> so the range went to 700, and it was hitting everything all the way out to 700. And then we started looking like other stuff. It's cool. It was in a valley, and then we started like picking uh, rocks that were like up in the valley. And he's like, all right, see the 700 yard uh, marker, go up, see that big rock over this way. And they had a range finder and I'd never shot long distance stuff before. So it's a little bit cheating because they had like the dope sheets on, uh, on what the rifle would do. Um, so like you're kind of going back and forth and telling you the holdovers and where you want to aim. And I hit a, hit a rock at 815 yards. That is that's pretty wild. fucking awesome, especially with the two two three. That's yeah. that's reaching yeah. out. There's a little Tika, uh, all wood uh, stock. Um, nothing like super cool tactical looking, but hey, it, it's, it's like eight fifteen. It's like Josh. It's like Josh always tells me: you, you get the right ammo, you get the right, you know, you get the right rifle, and you reach out and touch someone. Oh yeah, with that. <laughs> you know. The coolest part about this: so you're aiming probably ten to twelve feet above the target. And in the scope it. and there's that much drop in the bullet and then at that distance uh at the 700 yard mark you're shooting at steel he's looking through it the uh guide i guess you call him is looking through a, a scope and spotter spotter yep so i shoot and he goes hit like, are you sure yep positive and then all of a sudden you're ting it takes like three to four seconds for Holy the sound shit. to come back from that distance that's cool that was it was pretty awesome that's that's like half of that distance is from my house to your house. So I'm telling you, you're what. Still, could, you're telling me you could hit me from your house? Yeah, absolutely. In your short men's robe on the back deck. This the is Wakanda isn't home. even this far from Josh's house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's get careful uh. about telling where everybody lives. Uh, so, Jeremy, what do you have in your pocket? Oh, man. Nothing great, man. Tonight. Kicking a little old school. Phil's got one of these, I think. These were I do. Didn't did Dan get us these? Yep. Yeah, buck years knife. ago. Nothing, nothing crazy. It's, but this thing's actually cool. It's a buck knife. So buck, you know, you you're usually accustomed to getting that on like the little plastic pack hanging on the wall at uh Buck's a great brand, American brand. Yeah, at the old Bass Pro shop. But this has got a cool action. I'd call it it's like a flipper, right? It's assisted. It's like a flipper, but it's assisted. You kick. It's got a little cast top on it, and like a phenolic, like plastic. Let me see, Let me see that. It's got a roadster shop theme. That's what I dig. It's because it's kind of blue and black. But give that, give that a pop. So look, kick the top because it's it's awkward. Once you, 
slide the cast part yeah, over. You got to slide the upper cast oh. part to you here. You're still like, not getting it. Oh, it's kind of like a, it's, it's like a dual action basically. Okay, now that I yeah, but it's got some good yank to it. Yeah. Oh, I do like the blue and black. That's like a micarta G10, micarta. That's a nice. Yeah, it's it, it is a very cool knife. Hey, Buck's coming back out. Have you seen uh, Buck's uh, full auto? Yeah, you were just talking about that the other day. Yeah, like looks just like the old school uh, wood with the brass uh, ends, Is but it really? it's a full push button, full auto. Damn. It's really cool looking. Yeah, I'd highly recommend this one. Actually, I've had it for years, and it is a uh, cool little deal. Yeah, nice. Other than that, usual same, stuff. Same shit. Yeah, mixed up the knife. Everything else is the same. Same way. Same uh, same wallet, same phone. I did mix up the knife a little bit. I'm uh, that's that's a little yeah. quiet, a little quiet. Mm-hmm. That's uh, the artisan cutlery. That, that's a gorgeous knife. I like this knife a lot. That's the uh, orthodox artisan cutlery orthodox. It's it's the only knife that is basically as close to a straight razor as you can get from the handle to the blade. Is Peace. This is a straight razor. This is this is one from one of our infamous trips to uh, Smoky Mountain Knife Works. Smoky Mountain Knife Works. Indeed. Yeah, one of our favorite times of the year. One of my trips to Smoky Mountain Knife Smoky Mountain Knife Works that I totally forgot about is I've got a five eleven tactical belt that I wear every single day for probably the past eight years. The old nylon belt. You uh, you got the same one. Got it yeah. on right now. Yeah. You guys suck. I got. I wear this belt every day. You know where I got that? Walmart. Huh? Walmart. No, it's the Mart place. Remember the uh, the place we got the cowboy boots and the hat? What's it called? On the road. Oh, shit. Uh, the drugstore. It's, it's something Mart. Remember in New Mexico? It's like Oklahoma or New Mexico. Remember oh, wall, where I got- wall Drugs. Wall, wall Drugs. Yeah. yeah wall, wall Drugs. drugs. Dude, I don't know what it's made of. It's that's the belt you got from there? Yeah, it's fucking leather or something, but it's red. I've had it for years. Hey, And I wear it every day. We got it on a road tour. That was that's a that's a story we'll have to tell one day. Yeah, that's a good one story. Of these days. However, that's a great wallet. I mean, great, great. belt. Love yeah. that belt. Me and Phil can get on the plane. Well, we used to. As, as I of still year. rock mine. I never take yeah. it off anytime I go through security. Oh, I've gotten popped like two or three times. Never have. It's I TSA bought, approved, and I tell them that every time, and they go for it. Yeah. Oh, they've made me take mine off a couple of times. I bought the belt because it was TSA approved, and you didn't have to take it off to go on mm-hmm. the metal detector. It's all plastic and nylon. But about a year ago, I was stopped and made embarrassed in front of everyone that I had my belt on, and they didn't care what material it was made out of, that I had to remove it because that's what the sign said. So after that, it really doesn't matter what kind of belt I wear. Never removed mine. Yeah, Phil turned me on to that. I I used to, like, ditch the watch, ditch the belt, and he's like, fuck are you doing? Roll through there. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Secret of the pros. Yeah, I have 11 nylon belt. Dude, I got to tell you, though. I'm here. I'm listening. That knife, that is, that's the one knife I'm jealous of. Out of all the knives we carry, like, on all these podcasts every night that we bust out, that fucking knife is badass. I was looking. I, fu- I love. I was looking that at it today to make sure I had the name right because I wanted to be prepared before yeah. we recorded. They've got this now in titanium scales and a Damascus blade. I will own that. 
Yeah, you think so? <laughs> Shortly. Yeah. Unless it's, it's sold out. And I'm our, sure he will not rub it in your face. I'm going to tell you, though, seriously, it's it's an awesome-looking knife, but the quality has been great because this has got to be four years old. Yeah. And, I mean, I've rocked it, a, I mean, a, a good bit of time. Uh, Daily Carry, use it. Uh, I love the the action. I love the look. It's well, it's a flipper, too, right? It's a flipper, yeah. Dude, I go. dig the flippers. The flippers are because I'm, I'm not crazy about, like, the assisted knives. I love an OTF. Yep. But... The flippers are super cool. But this, honestly, that would be like, maybe it's just because I don't I don't have it. It's a great knife. I want it, but it's I a great that. knife. And yeah. to and even to go out on the weekends and stuff, if you know, depending yeah. on what parents parents. Dude, you could answer. dress it up, dress it down. Yeah, you could dress it up. I wish it, they had another version that was just 15% larger. Um I it's would a little just, delicate. It's a little delicate. I like that, but I'd like an also a little larger one. Here, Phil, I see you eyeing it. You want to yeah, check it out. He's just excited that you would like a larger one. <laughs> <laughs> of course he would. <laughs> yeah, that's, I wanted a larger one for. It's good to hear. <laughs> 30, 30 years. <laughs> so we're done with glove box. We've talked about what's in our pockets and uh, what we're drinking. Now it's time for story time and. One of you guys has to have a story because I don't have one. It's time. I think I, I think I've got one. Do you? Yeah. How long have we been in business? Uh, 17, 18 years. 2004. Four, yeah. 18, 18 years. years. Long time. I've been in the industry 20 years. We got a lot of awesome stories. God, I've got some good stories, but Oh, the best, the problem, I'm going to, I'm going to deliver the number one story tonight. This is it. I hope, I hope everybody's listening because this is probably the best story that I have. It's not, it's not a hot rod story, but it's definitely, it's like a, it's a motorsports story for sure. Would you consider it motorsports? Maybe. I don't know. There was a motor involved. Yeah. So. This story, and it just happened recently. Oh, God. And when I say recently, like five days ago. Um, I'm going to just cut right to the chase. Josh fucking ate shit. Like, you can't believe. On one of those little rental app scooters. Like a drunk white girl just going down. <laughs> Holy shit. Couldn't let it marinate. Could no, you? I, dude, I've I've had this. It's been on the tip of my tongue. I've been telling everybody that I see. <laughs> yeah, I so fucking know. <laughs> I've got I've got to share this with the world because this is the greatest thing ever. So here we are. Oh God! Uh, I want everybody to pull up a seat, <laughs> grab some popcorn because this is a fucking. This is the story of all stories. We're in Louisville, Kentucky. Me, Phil, Josh three of our buddies and we are going out for the evening and we decide like responsibly that uh yeah. rather we're not going to drive if you're going to call them but it's 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 sean joe and jack yeah i mean uh zach, zach. sorry yeah so we decide we're going to take they, they get these fucking rental scooters all over well me and phil happen to have the app already because we crushed these things in miami oh, years back here we go because it was basically the x game because phil's phil's pretty much fucking jeremy mcgrath on anything with two like Jeremy McGrath, 1990s Jeremy McGrath, not Jeremy Miranda, Jeremy McGrath. Right. So we get on these fucking scooters, and Josh 
Dude, impressing me. I thought he was going to fucking just blow it right out of the gate. Honestly, you looked decent on this thing. So here we are driving down the most beautiful flat First piece of, all, of pavement. First of went, we went to a bar, and then we went back to no. our BRB. If you're going to try to blame this no, on no, 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 no. being I'm drunk. Not, I'm not being blaming on being drunk. I'm saying there was this was the fourth trip. This is four, yeah, so... You're, it's you're not ma- like the first time we've dude, been on. Dude, you're making it even worse. Acquainted with exactly. the vehicle. Yeah. Phil's fucking throwing tail whips, dude, and like bar spins. Doing all <laughs> sorts of cool stuff. <laughs> Supermans. We are cruising down a completely flat street. There is a beautifully paved. Tell the truth now. Tell the truth. It was three lanes. Three lanes. Nothing yep. in sight. Josh is leading the pack. He's out in front. I have to navigate. And I'm... Right behind him, and Phil is behind me. And <laughs> all of a sudden... Oh, well, no, not all of a sudden. Tell the truth. What? I, I, I'm navigating. Yeah, you're to, navigating. I have to use a cellular <laughs> okay. device. Okay. So apparently you pull your hand out of your pocket, reach <laughs> across the bars, and he gets a tank slapper. Like, <laughs> I'm talking superbike style. If, any, if anybody's watched superbike races this on TV... This is an Isle of the Man... Like slow mo YouTube it is. video. Cheers! <laughs> description of the superbike crash. Oh well, yeah, because it's like a fucking superbike crash. If you take the very beginning when the tank slapper begins and the dude gets pitched, you know you watch those guys. They like cartwheel off the bike. Okay, and now cut the entire middle section out of the crash, <laughs> like the whole cool part where they've laid the bike down at like hundred and eighty miles an hour. And they're dodging obstacles and they're sliding in their leathers. Fast forward to the last yeah. second and a half. Take 45 seconds out of the slide and fast forward to the absolute end where they've slowed down to 15.4 miles an hour. 16.2. Okay, 16.2. <laughs> and that is Josh. He, the most pathetic role, he is tossed off of this thing. Like, I thought you I'd, said it looked cool. I told you that because I thought you had a fucking concussion. (laughs) I literally thought we were going to lose you. (laughs) He is flinged off of this. uh, It's a lime scooter. And his feet go up in the air. He turns and he does like a roll. And he hits the fucking ground. Head first. Head. Well, I saw shoulder and elbow first. And then apparently the head smashes into the fucking pavement. And it is just <laughs> this violent roll. And I am absolutely ecstatic that this happens. Yeah, you're so, super concerned. <laughs> yeah, zero <laughs> concern about the crash. I lay on the brakes and I just ditch my scooter. So for some reason at 15.4 miles an hour, I'm able to lay my scooter down and just kick it. And it just slides. All while screaming, yes, yeah. yes, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. My my other buddies who don't usually hang out with us, they're like, dude, all I heard was like, yes. You're, yeah, you were just like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, little did I know, I was so fucking excited to see Josh just eat shit on an electric scooter and start tumbling. And I'd lay my scooter down and ditch it, but I clearly stay on my feet. Fucking Phil's coming down. Just got this thing pinned. And he bunny hops over Josh and his scooter who are laying on the ground like a 
sack of fucking potatoes. <laughs> There's some exaggeration here, There's, but <laughs> Phil, is there exaggeration? He's not as big as a sack of tip potatoes. <laughs> right. Dude, it was the sh- shittiest and yet most violent crash that I've ever seen. It looked it was if you could put this back in like the 90s, it would be on one of those and you walked away videos. <laughs> Remember those? Yeah. I, I like <clears throat> the Nashville network late at night. He uh, popped back up. But dude, eventually. You, yeah, you were fucked up for the entire rest of the night. Oh, I was actually, I, I was at first, I would I could give a shit because I was so <laughs> excited at like, oh God, I was so excited about your yeah, fucking oh, no, Everybody knows how excited you were. You were super but excited. Honestly, at dinner, because dinner was so good, I was concerned. Oh, I was fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, my head bounced, <laughs> like, hard. It was it was a concussion. Yeah. But I, no, I was fine. It's not a big yeah. deal. I walked it off. it off. Is I, there anything I'm missing from this, Phil? Um, you're missing the ride home. Afterwards, we went to the other bar. Oh, that's just because he's a fucking dickhead. That's <laughs> all there is to it. He's a flat out fucking you're, dickhead. No, dude, six. <laughs> There's hey, no other way to put it. Six but, guys. <laughs> six guys. And we, what did we cover? We 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 looked. It, it up. had it to was, be like twenty miles. Yeah, it, yeah it was twenty, 20 miles. Something miles. We're cruising home, Louisville. and at this point now we're shit faced. Well, first of all, we're badass on these scooters. Yeah, we're badass. Yeah, right. Phil's Phil's playing Rough Riders on his cell phone. Yeah, Phil's playing Rough Riders <laughs> and jumping stair sets. Like, <laughs> did I crash taking out my phone while? Googling no, Rough Riders. No, somehow and play. somehow yeah. Phil can pull out his phone, like Google Rough Riders, play it, jump like seven stairs. He's doing all sorts of crazy shit. Oh, if right? we're going to go there, but I also was at the gym Monday morning to follow that. And I didn't say I got to lay out the whole week because I pulled a muscle doing bunny hops. <laughs> yeah, but they were <laughs> sweet fucking bunny hops. <laughs> so we're cruising home. Crash. Yeah, we're cruising home, and now, now at this place we are we're inebriated. We have had several cocktails in yeah, Mexico. It's like twenty each. So Phil's behind me. This is like uh, Grand Theft Auto because these things like we're running low on batteries, like Paperboy. Hey, yeah, yeah. Right. You ditch one, jump we're on another one. one. We're getting another. We're we're running all through down to like the worst fucking neighborhoods you can there was, imagine. There was hundreds of dollars spent <laughs> yeah. on lime and bird scooters, <laughs> and I'm ripping. So, I I end up with a fast one. I've got like the high charge. I'm fucking ripping out in front. Phil's behind me, and knowing that Phil's behind me, all of a sudden there's we're on a sidewalk, a rough ass sidewalk, and there's one sitting there, dead soldier, right. A scooter. So, yeah, a scooter. On a kickstand. On a kickstand. So I kick the shit out of this thing as I'm coming back, thinking I, I want to knock it down and I want to put Phil over the bars, right? <laughs> well, it just it, like, this thing just like rocked like a weeble. It just wobbled. It, like, yeah, it's it like bounced those, off the bushes, like came those, back. And Phil just gives like a quick little whoop, whoop. <laughs> around dig right it. around it. And I'm watching behind me. I keep looking back and it's... I'm t- it's a solid 45 seconds, and I'm... Uh, Josh was 200 yards behind yeah. us. And all of a sudden, I just see a headlight go crazy. It's like up, down, around. After 45 seconds, this thing's wobbling back and forth. It finally decides that it's going to fall directly right in, front in front of Josh. At the same time I'm coming through. At the same, So after the concussion and the yeah. near-death experience, now... A fucking scooter falls in front of him at full boogie. 
Yeah. Did you go over the bars? He goes down again. No, I didn't. I never touched the ground. It was a violent wreck because I saw it coming. <laughs> it was worse than the fucking bouncing off the concrete, honestly, because all of the things that went along you with it. You had a fucking yard sale. Yeah. I, I step, I know it's coming, so I'm stepping off of it, right? And my scooter's hitting that one, but then the <clears throat> the scooter you kicked, it just cranks me in the fucking kneecap so <laughs> hard. But then you've got two um, dwelling displaced individuals uh, hanging out there on the on the city. New term. City street, you some, know. Um, some homeless dudes. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a couple. And so they're, when this happens, they're like, Oh shit! Yeah, you gotta watch that scooter. Yeah, no fucking shit. I gotta watch that scooter. It's my dickhead friend. <laughs> so, and you know, I kick that over the side, and I'm I'm rolling through. Well, we get up to the next corner, like the bar we're fixing to go to, and Zach rolls up and he hands me my cell phone. I'm like, where'd Dude. that come from? He's like, oh yeah, everything's everything's out Dude, back I, there. I have to tell you, that was the first time in my life I've actually been concerned for your well being. Because we're sitting at the bar and Sean is like, hey, dude, where's where's Josh? I'm like, oh, fuck. Where is he? And I'm like, Phil, text him. I thought, like, because I legitimately thought you had brain damage. At this point, you, fucking, you started feeling bad. The first round was so <laughs> terrible, dude. Started feeling bad? Yeah, I started feeling bad. I lost my knife. Yeah, but I didn't realize You lost that, your phone and I didn't your realize knife. you had a complete yard sale. Yeah, I had to go back and I found the knife in the bushes. It was like another mile and a half back. So those things are are dangerous. We woke up the next morning with there was like a dozen of them out in front of our place. We started we rode the shit out of this. Yeah, I don't think we should talk about yeah. most everything else. But anyway, those are dangerous. I'm glad I could add to your laughter. Dude, I want to thank you for that. That I legit yeah. I get so much enjoyment out of that. He does. There is no question. no question Dude, about dri- his enjoyment. I find myself driving in the car and just giggling when i think of it it was it's the most pathetic wreck <laughs> pathetic do you oh my god it's like still right now i'm i'm loving just talking about it it's so fucking good i don't think the wreck was that spectacular he said it was so cool <laughs> his response is just his response is always like he's and then that's the thing honestly and we'll get into this as this as the season goes on but you try to make me feel like such a bad person. You suck as a human <laughs> because honestly, you you have no care for somebody's well being whatsoever. Because you'd had the same reaction when I I just I I slipped just gently down those stairs in Key West, and then all I hear and, and and there's kids around too. Honestly, there's like toddlers, and you're like. Yes, fuck yes, fuck yes, and and I'm I mean just yeah, for a trip. <laughs> honestly, I live for your failures. <laughs> I know it's, that. It's a you've true, had quite a few it awesome is, ones. It's a true passion of mine. <laughs> save that for another story yeah, time. Yeah, we'll or save bring that it? one because that's I'd say that's almost as good as this one. Oh, that story sucks compared to this one. Oh. <laughs> to you, baby. Yeah. <laughs> to you, it sucked. That you must... didn't get to see his reaction yeah. to you going down a flight of stairs. That was awesome. Right. Well, next uh, episode, we're, the time we do story time, we're probably going to proofread these and decide which one is going to be a story. <laughs> but thanks again, everybody, for listening to Oil & Whiskey with Roadster Shop and Ironclad Original. If you like the show, hop down at the bottom and leave us a rating or review. 
Thanks again to our guest, Wheel Hub Magazine, Rodney, Stephen, and Rob. Great guys. Honestly, a really good episode. Yeah, Enjoy awesome, it a lot. Guys. We'll see you guys again next week. Appreciate it. Bye. Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane, host of the Mental Performance Daily Podcast here with you. And someone asked me recently, Kaner, how'd you go from 240 pounds to 180? Was it diet? Was it sleep? Did you change your workout routine? It was a little bit of all of that and mostly habits and consistency. That's why I love FitBod. FitBod's smart workout app creates a custom dynamic exercise program based on your goals, experience, and equipment. It varies your routines to avoid overtraining and keeps you on schedule so you can keep that calendar full and maintain those summer gains. Their elite algorithm uses custom data and analytics to scientifically build your best next workout and maximize your results in the least amount of time. FitBod workouts fit easily into your schedule, making your time the best time to work out. FitBod works equally as awesome on your iOS or Android device. The app is super easy to use with video tutorials to make learning new exercises a breeze. Let's keep that workout momentum going through getting personalized workouts from FitBod that get tougher as you do. Get 25% off your subscription or try out the app for free when you sign up now at fitbod.me slash mpd25. That's 25% off your subscription or try it free at fitbod.me slash mpd25.